0: And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hi, folks. Shortly, we're going to begin the episode we had with Jay Jack. Prior to doing that, just a small disclaimer that Pat, Jay, and I thought was diligent to discuss before we get into the episode is Jay brings up his upbringing as a child and how he was regularly exposed to dog fighting as part of his normal upbringing. What we do need to discuss about this is that at no time does Jay, myself, or Pat condone anything to do with dog fighting. We find it repugnant, repulsive, unnecessary, and cruel. Jay goes on to mention several times during the show that he has disclaimers against it. He has to make those disclaimers so people are aware that he doesn't have an affiliation with anything to do with it. However, he does talk about what he learned from that, what he gained from his understanding of that, and how it shaped his decision into helping reform many of those dogs involved in those former activities. This is not the normal way we start the show on The Canine Paradigm. However, it does serve a purpose to remind people that none of us would put our support behind something which we all agree should be completely abolished. We hope you enjoyed this show. We certainly did, and we look forward to your feedback.
3: Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined by my co-host, Glenn Cook. And today, calling in for our second ever Skype call is Mr. J-Jack. How are you doing, guys? <laughs> Pretty good. Thanks for joining us. Something we were just talking about before we started is that you are allowed to swear today.
1: Fucking right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a thing. Like I grew up in kind of a bad environment and we cursed quite a bit. And when I do seminars, it's funny because, like, people booked me originally for seminars off of the show I do with Chad. Uh And I would get there and I would just immediately start talking like I normally talk. And you could see the look on their face. They're like, what the fuck
3: is going on? Who is this bad man? man?
1: Yeah, right? The, the and only then, thing- I, of course, I also, I look. it doesn't help that I look like I murder kids. You know what I mean? Like I look like an axe murderer,
3: you
0: know? The only thing we haven't yeah. done on the show so far, Jay, just for your knowledge, is we don't drop the C-bomb. Yet. What is that? <laughs> we'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> good lure. Good lure. I like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the rhymes with bunt or something? Yeah, 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 that about? one. Exactly. Okay, good thing you said that because that one's a frequently – yeah, that one comes it, to my face quite a bit.
0: It is here too. It's like, it's generally part of the Australian culture I and mean, it's a term okay. of affection that we call each other, but we're True. just trying to keep it out of the show for now. For Gotcha. Now. Gotcha. For now, yeah. yeah.
1: No, it's bad. Like at my gym, it's, that's how we, like I'll open class 90% of the time. I'm like, all right, dickhead, line up. And then everybody's like, okay. Like <laughs> you can tell the brand new people are like, what's happening? Yeah,
2: that's that's pretty
1: good. It's going to be weird to censor one word.
3: Because I have
1: like a don't curse curse button for sure installed.
3: (laughs) Now you'll be thinking about it nonstop. Well, you know, there's a first time for
0: everything on every show. And cursing's fun. Let's face it. It's part of a daily ritual for me. Mm. It's how people know you're serious.
1: (laughs) Have you seen the... Now, who knows? Because this this gets into something else, right? Because like I saw it on Facebook. So, you know, I think it's true. But I, I have no idea how that works. I don't know if they're fact checking. But I saw a thing that said like... A study showed that people that curse are more intelligent.
0: Uh huh. Oh yeah, I think Abraham Lincoln said that.
3: Yeah. And if yeah. It, if there's a meme, if there's a meme to prove it, then it, yeah, it's fact. That's evidence. You can I, you can get I a conviction didn't open on that.
1: It, I didn't open it or check, but I didn't open it or read it. But I'm not quoting it.
3: But we're gonna go with it.
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. I saw it on Facebook. It's real.
3: So let's talk dogs. All right, you very graciously have joined us today to talk a little bit about your history in dogs how you got into it i know that a lot of people who listen to your podcast probably have picked up your backstory along the way okay give us a rundown on where did you grow up what was your involvement with dogs what was the turning point and how did you come to be this guy that's coming to australia to teach people engagement play tug how to live with their dog
1: it's a interesting story and it lets you know like how small the world is really. And also just like you never can tell what twists and turns are going to happen to you. I grew up in Louisiana and the environment that I grew up in was very like biker clubhouse type of environment. And fighting dogs was a commonplace thing when I was a kid, like that was just around. So I grew up in and around the world of dog fighting. And it's not something that you choose when you're, it's like, you don't pick what church you're going to go to when you're nine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just what you see in your life and so I grew up around game dogs as a kid and it's a it's a touchy subject man it's a weird it's a it's a it's a weird subject since we're just going to jump right into the awkward stuff right off the bat it's a it's a weird subject because something about it turned my stomach but something about it Uh, spoke to my heart also. Mm -hmm. And that's a really hard thing to reconcile in your head. You know what I mean? Yeah. As a kid, you you don't understand it, you know, deep concepts, you know, and there was something about it that was, and don't take it the wrong way. There's something about it that was beautiful, but there was something about it that made me cry. You know what I mean? And I, I couldn't reconcile those feelings and I didn't understand them. And of course I thought I was just you know, I thought I was just a pansy and I thought I was like soft and I was trying not to let anybody know. You know what I mean? I didn't talk about it and I didn't say like, that stuff so, about it turns me off. But there was something about the dogs and their heart and their spirit and working the dogs that I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Like taking a dog out for road work or working a dog on a mill or working a dog on a spring pole or giving dogs rub downs and playing with dogs. Like, man, I loved – more than anything in the world, being with and being around the dogs, and I loved their spirit and I loved their heart. And there was something about the concept of gameness that really, really spoke to my soul. You know, mm-hmm. and I also like that was an important concept in the in the way that I grew up. Like I would fight on the same nights that dogs would fight. You know what I mean? Like we would fight by the same rules. We would fight in the same, you know, warehouse, you know what I mean? Like, so at least I wasn't a hypocrite, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I was a a child. I mean, they didn't care. Like, they'd fight chickens, kids, gold. like, (laughs) fight fish. We'd fight dogs. Like, nobody cared. Like, we were just scrapping. Like, that was life in spite.
0: Did you say which neighborhood you grew up in, Jay?
1: What neighborhood I grew up in? Yeah. I don't know. It didn't have a name. Like, it wasn't like the, it wasn't like, well, it's not true. It was the South Side.
0: South Side of? south,
1: South Side of Monroe, Louisiana. Okay monroe louisiana it's maybe 90 miles south of shreveport which is a town people will have heard of okay <laughs> Monroe's pretty small
0: so right? so was this Monroe's- a part of the lifestyle of growing up there like that was just part of a regular life for people in your neighborhood
1: people people well so in my neighborhood it was comp so here's the thing like uh monroe Louisiana in general is still very – well, I don't. I haven't been back in 20 years, so I have no idea what's going on now. Maybe it's completely enlightened. But when I was a kid, it was still very racially divided. So there was like legitimately a street. It was Washington Avenue, and it ran through town, and on one side it was white and on one side it was black,
3: right? Wow, okay.
1: And so like – yeah, seriously. And on the black side of town – I mean so – that was like kind of a easy dividing line because most of the people on that side of town were black, but it was also socioeconomic. So the really, really poor white people were on that side of town too. Mm -hmm. And like the biker clubhouse was not in the nicest neighborhood. We didn't have a lot of money. So the biker clubhouse was also on that side of town. And so like, as a kid, you're around just like super aggro setting all the time. So in the clubhouse, there's drinking and fighting and outside the clubhouse, there's, a lot of violence, you know what I mean? Because everybody wanted to beat my ass. So it's like white kids hated me because I was poor. Black kids hated me because I was white. Kids from other clubs hated me because I was from another club. You know what I mean? It was just yeah, like, yeah. just everywhere you went was just like always fighting.
3: The fighting culture and, and everything. Thing, so what's that? The fighting culture and everything. Like that was day-to-day life. Everything was a fight.
1: Yeah, dude. But it also wasn't even that big a deal. You know what I mean? Like cops would pull up, a, like cops would pull up and if two guys were scrapping, they would pull up and be like, all right, stop. What happened? And if you have a good reason and both people want to fight, they'll let you go. You know what I mean? Like when I was a kid, like we get in a fight in school and they would literally be like, hey, 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 take that outside. And you'd be like, you'd leave the classroom and go outside and scrap. I mean, it was just stupid. It was really It was really stupid. I mean, it was awesome. I, I think it formed me into a really good human being, but it chews a lot of people up. I don't – I think most –
3: Well, these days, man, people
1: know and grew up around dead or in prison, you know?
3: Yeah, and these days, people are so offended by the idea of any kind of physical confrontation that the idea that someone else was, you know, formed in that environment freaks
0: people out these days, for sure. Well, I don't think they're just offended by physical... They're underexposed to it. Well, they're underexposed to everything. They're offended by anything. Like you can look at somebody mm-hmm. in a, well they call it a microaggression. So if you look at somebody and frown, it's it's considered a, a form of aggression these days. Which is just, I mean, it's a different world from what we've all grown up in. Sure. I mean, I would probably grew up a lot different than you did, Jay. I mean, we're all different people. We're all in different neighborhoods, but, sure. and that was part of the culture when I was at school too. And you had a issue with somebody, you um you had a scrap about it. And, sure. and, and these days, I think the way that kids have disagreements with people is that all the parents get involved, they take it to school committees, they have a, like a PDA meeting over it, they decide whether they're yeah. going to put the kids on pharmaceuticals to repress their aggressive behavior. It's just, I don't yeah. know, it's just a crazy world. It, it's got, like you said, some kids get chewed up in the system, but I think sure. out of great adversity, some people get forged from it as well. They become a better person well, if they can live through it.
1: It's crazy because, like, <clears throat> it's a weird thing. Like, for me, violence is not distasteful. Mm. Like, it's hard to explain to people that are outside of uh, fighting culture because, like, to them they would go, yeah, dog fighting is wrong. But then they would look I, – like, I put my wife in a cage. My wife fought professionally for a long, long time. She was one of the best in the world, one of the pioneers of early women's MMA. And, like – I, I I watch her. She's got a real good fight that's floating around on YouTube. She got knee in the face, like kicked in the mouth, like and it doesn't. I don't blink. Like I, I, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. She's, a
2: beautiful, <laughs> she's
1: dead game. That girl will die in the ring. She is amazing, right? And that's the most beautiful thing in the world. That is literally the reason that I love her. But it's like that's hard for people to understand. That's yeah. hard for people to see. They're like, doesn't it bother you when you see her get hit? And I'm like, no, <laughs> like not even. Not even a little bit. No, it doesn't bother me at all. Cause she's in, she's a hundred percent heart and soul in it. Mm. She, you know what I mean? Like she's committed. She wants to do that. And the, the thing is that the, the issue that I have with dog fighting is not even the violence, right? Because I've done fights myself before it was modern MMA. Like when I started fighting, it was no rules, no weight classes, no time limit, no rules. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you could fight for however long, you know what I mean? You fight for an hour. If you, you know what I mean? It's two hours, who cares? Yeah, like fights went crazy long sometimes,
3: like an old and school dog like, fight.
1: Yeah, exactly, absolutely, hundred percent, same, so like legitimately the same rules, legitimate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, what's crazy is people don't even realize how deep that stuff goes into their common vernacular. You know, like uh, uh, until the eighteen hundreds, people fights and dog fights were literally by the same rules. Yeah. Like it wasn't until 18, whatever, 60 something that Marquee of Queensberry came in and changed the rules and started switching things around that people diverged from, from dogs. And it's weird, but like the whole, you know what I mean? There's like, there's stuff and that like, throw your hat in the ring. That's a fight term. Yeah. Throw your hat in the ring is a fight term. Toe the line is a fight term. Up to scratch. It's a fight term. Mm-hmm. People are like, it's so deeply embedded in our history. People don't even understand how deep it goes. They're just like completely foreign to it. But anyway, back to my point was that the idea is that when I saw these dogs fighting, it turned my – something about it was beautiful because I find beauty and gameness and overcoming of resistance and enduring something with deep drive. Like I find that beautiful. And I'm not wrong. Everybody finds that beautiful. That's why we watch Rocky. That's why we watch Rudy. That's why we watch The Karate Kid. We Mm -hmm. all cry and clap because we love those stories of this deep determination to overcome all odds regardless of how beat up you get right like we love those stories they speak to our spirit and that's awesome but something about it turned my stomach and it was really hard for me to wrap my head around because i personally love to fight and don't see anything wrong with it and then i would feel bad about a dog getting put up And that was really hard for me. I was like, well, what am I, a hypocrite? Like what, you know what I mean? Why do I, like the dog obviously wants to go fight. Like he's into it. They love the fight. So like, why am I tripping about this? Like what is going on in my head that I'm like, I can't reconcile it. And it took me a long time to figure out that it's consent. Mm -hmm. That's what trips me up. Right. Like, so like, there's nothing wrong with, you know, a guy and a girl uh, consensually hooking up and having sex. Like there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Everything's fine. Unless the dude's 45 and the girl's 12. Now we have a problem.
2: (laughs) You
1: know what I mean? Like if the girl's, you know, 11, dude, now, now there's an issue because that being does not have enough cognitive ability to understand and they can't consent. Yeah. So it's not the activity that's wrong. It's the fact that that being literally cannot consent. And that's why it's not like love is beautiful. But what you see with that is absolutely debased. It's not the deep and beautiful thing that we like to make out in movies. It's something that's gross. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens with dogs. Like they can't understand. And because they can't understand, it can't be that deep and beautiful thing. It can only be the base grotesque thing.
3: Yeah. And I think it's a lot of that. They don't understand the repercussions that are possible. And that relates to the gameness as well, right? Like it's a single motivator. This is what I want to do, but I don't. It's not that I'm not concerned about what will happen to me or the other dog. It's that they don't understand what could happen to them or the other dog.
1: That only happens the first bit.
3: Yeah. And if they're, <laughs> okay,
1: conditioned, yeah. if they're conditioned and schooled well, then that's not, that's actually not accurate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because before they put dogs in in a, in a pit, they're going to roll them a lot. They're going to do little short rolls. They're going to two dog them. You know what I mean? Like they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to experience things. They're going to know. They're not, they're not surprised. The first time a dog bites them, they're not like, what in the hell is going on? Like the image that people have of dogs being thrown into a pit and being stunned at the occurrence. Like, you know, like I tell you, we're going to go to a dinner party and then I push you out and it's an MMA fight. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. Like they know what's going on. They've been schooled for, for a while. They know what's up. And then like, so it speaks to the gameness in the sense of like, do you know how many fights it took to be a champion?
3: Heaps. How many? Three. Really?
1: Three. Three fights. To win three fights, you're a champion. Win five, you're a grand champion. Right. Okay. But that speaks to the training. Now, this gets into, you guys do protection work, right? Yeah. So, like, a lot of the stuff that they do in the dog world, and this is one of the reasons that I kind of understood more advanced training concepts better than my years in in dog learning would suggest, is that it's a lot of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. because like, for example, you get a decoy that comes out and he puts too much pressure on your dog and your dog starts to get squashed. Like that's no good. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if the, it, you know, so if your dog goes out and you do like a courage test and a trial and it flattens your dog, you got to do some rebuilding, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so like, it's not hard to get a dog to pit once. That's not hard. And if they have a real quick, easy thing, then obviously they'll do it again. Cause it's reinforcement. You're like, woo, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. But if they go deep and it, it gets bad, and they have a long, nasty fight and it takes them two weeks to recover. Like that dog knows exactly what he's walking into.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it speaks to one of two things. either the gameness of that dog particularly or your ability as a trainer to go back in and build confidence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? And then you have to go in and you have to, you have to do a bunch of stuff to build the confidence of the dog. But anyway, so again, I, I sound I, I, every time I talk about this stuff, I have to every five minutes stop and go public service announcement, I'm brutally opposed to dogfighting. Yeah, yeah,
3: Cause yeah. Because it sounds
1: like I'm romanticizing it and I'm absolutely not.
3: On that topic, out of curiosity, do you know in the States now, like, you know, I've read Colby's book and I've read a few history of dogfighting type books and I can't remember the yep. one that is a guy's diary from sort of late 1800s to early 1900s. I can't remember the name. Armitage? Of it. Yeah, it might be, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that many years ago and, you know, it yep. explains how it's just a history of like a, a catalog of all these fights, really. Sure, um, yeah. and you know, fights that go for 50 minutes, an hour, that sort of thing. And, sure. and dogs were rarely, if ever actually killed in the ring because you, you could and would stop the fight if you thought your dog was going to lose. Is there any yes. of that old school still horrific and totally unacceptable, but traditional style dog fighting that happens or is it the newer? just horrific dumb shit that you see, people, not that the other is any better, but the,
1: well, I mean, so this gets into, it's like, uh, they're both bad. They're both wrong, right? They're both bad. They're both terrible. They're both wrong, but there is a different level of horror. It's like, I always equate, I always use pedophilia as an analogy with dog fighting because it gets to the concept of consent. Mm. You know what I mean? And then it also kind of like, it's easy. Like if there's a girl that's 16, that's wrong, dude. But that's not the same thing as the people that'll bang an infant. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like there's, there's a different level of horror in those two things, even though conceptually it's still the same thing. They're both too young. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so like traditional dog fighting were misguided. They were dudes that deeply loved and appreciated the dogs and thought that they were testing and celebrating a wonderful virtue and they just didn't understand they were too simple in their understanding of advanced cognition and consent that they couldn't get that what they thought they saw was this moment of beauty like when two humans fight but what they were really saying was not you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and you can tell you can tell like anyway so yes there are those things going on now but they're deeply underground and they're hard to find.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Because yeah.
1: the, the idiots that fight their dogs on the street corner are easy to catch because they're stupid.
0: Mm. It's interesting you what, what you're I mean? talking about, Jay, because not long ago I went over to Italy and I had a look at the Coliseum. And Mm -hmm. my mother said to me, oh, you know, that's a terrible place. They committed so many atrocities there. And I said, actually, it's not what we're led to believe. I said, they didn't execute as many people as they're claiming. I said, yeah, they did feed Christians to lions and so forth. And I said, but as far as the gladiators, I said, they were expensive to train and they were very popular. So to kill a gladiator or to have multiple deaths going on all the time was unrealistic. It's part of a romantic or fabled sort of history. And I guess that's the same in the dogfighting world as well.
1: Well I mean the thing that's really tough for people, like they don't like that that concept of the guys being loving but misguided. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's like it's like that's hard for people, but it's also very important to understand. Like if you look at any old school keeps, like a keep is the word for putting it a, like a training camp for fighters. Yeah. Right. So in the dog world, they'll call that a keep. And so if you look at all these old manuals that you can find on how different famous guys would run their keeps, if you read those things, it's stunningly different than one would expect because you're expecting smash the dog around. And what people have been told, like, you know, pour bleach on his head to make him mean or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just yeah. the craziness that you read about Dude, it sounds like a purely positive book. It sounds like a Suzanne Clothier book. Yeah. If you take the word fight out and you replace it with agility, there's nobody, the softest fairy farts and rainbows person would love that book.
3: Yeah, well, when I first got into dogs and was reading those books, that was what I was into as well, that the, the dogmanship and the conditioning part of the dog is, the, yeah. the, the info those guys had is second to none. And they were doing it better 100 years ago than I think a lot of people are doing now. Mm.
1: Well, they were, but they're also like, the truth is the hidden factor in that concept is relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Like, and that sounds really weird. And when you look at new school, like when you look at the torture porn version of new school dog fighting, where guys are just locking dogs in trunks or something nonsensical, or like a dog loses a fight and they kill it or whatever. Like when you look at this nonsense, it's hard to see because they're doing something that is such, even though the original form was still wrong and bad. They're doing something that is so, like, so much worse. You know what I mean? Just exponentially more horrific. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's hard to even see how a relationship played into it. But if you look, so here's, like, you guys seem well-read, so you'll probably know, like, how dog fights were won, right? They're won on the turn, right? So, like, if a dog turns and looks like it's not defending itself or looks like it's not engaging.
3: Mm -hmm. Or uh, or refuses to scratch. What's that? Or refuses to scratch, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like how you, how you get a scratch is off a turn, right? So if a dog looks like it's not going to, it's not fighting, then they'll separate the dogs. And when they separate the dogs, you take them to your corner, you turn them like, you know what I mean? So they'll turn them back to one another. And it depends on what rule sets you're, this is going to sound stupid. It depends on what rule sets you're going by. So Mm -hmm. Cajun rules, most widely accepted form of of classic dog fighting rules. They don't specify like a lot of people that do Cajun rules will scratch and turn. So like, this dog will scratch first, and then this dog will scratch next, regardless of who did the turn. But when I was coming up, they would say the dog that turned scratched, which is eminently more fair to me. Right. right? So the dog that looked like you – it's like you go to the guy that got knocked down in a boxing match. The ref goes to him and says, do you want to keep going? Mm-hmm. You don't go ask the other guy. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs>
1: the other guy's like, fuck, I don't want to keep going. I'm winning? I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, yeah. So it's like it made, made more sense to me when I was a kid, and I never like scratch and turn. Rules, but the dog that turns it scratches is the way that I grew up. And so, anyway, the dog that turns gets a chance to scratch and scratches this line about two feet off the corner, and they let the dog go. They don't let the other one go. They let that dog go, and if that dog does not go across scratch, and there's generally agreed upon time, sometimes three seconds, sometimes ten seconds, but it's like if that dog does not go across that line, the fight's over. Mm-hmm. No contact has been made.
3: Yeah, but he's given up.
1: Like. That dog has the ability to quit. Like that dog can go, no, man, I'm not going to do it. And he doesn't want to. If he sits at the line and barks, we're done here, mm-hmm. you know? And then if he crosses the line, the other dog gets let go also. So he's not being restrained and defenseless, but you know what I mean? But that dog gets to choose to fight. Yep. And so when a dog says, no way, I'm not going to go, then, you know, the fight's over at that point, right? And so the trip is adrenaline is gone in a couple minutes, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean? A couple seconds, but adrenaline has gone. Like, after 20 minutes, there's no anger, there's no bluster, there's no what even looks like drive. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not energetic after 30 minutes, you know? I mean, most dogs will drop dead from exhaustion after 30. Like, you know what I mean? After 30 minutes, like, it's not lively. But, I mean, humans aren't either. Watch a human fight go longer than 30 minutes. It stops being lively, Mm. you know? And so, like, what you get into is a real deep game of attrition. You know what I mean? Two dogs will be holding grips and then one'll shake and the other one'll shake and then look- you know what I mean? Like it looks real much more slow after mm-hmm. you get into longer times. And then they'll tell you, like, after all the anger's gone and after all the adrenaline's gone, the excitement's worn off, like at that point, it's relationship. You know? Mm-hmm. A dog that is fighting for being pissed, he quits in ten minutes. You know right. what I mean? A dog that's fighting because he thinks it's enjoyable, they'll quit in ten minutes. Like a dog that is like deeply in love with you will stay in it. And that sounds horrific. That sounds like grooming a kid for pedophilia. It is. It's it's, It's so,
3: it's important to understand this stuff because it's such a horrible thing, but the mm -hmm. knowledge that has come from it, we have, and you can't pretend it didn't happen or it didn't exist. And, not take on board the things that learned from it. Otherwise it happened to all those dogs for, for, for nothing. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. For nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And so the thing is, and what I want to say, like not to, we'll get into training in a sec, but what I want to say is that everybody has this moment, right? Like people hear that and they're disgusted by it, but I promise you that you've all celebrated that moment yourself. Mm. Like everybody watched Rocky first Rocky, right? And Rocky arguably is a person who lacks (laughs) higher function. You know what I mean? Like that dude's not cognitively sharp. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And here comes this guy, Mickey. And Mickey's the only dude that's ever taken care of him, the only dude that's ever treated him nice, the only dude that's ever, you know, been kind and been proud of him.
0: Really? Have you watched watched Rocky? (laughs) That's not what I saw (laughs) about Mickey.
1: (laughs) What, Mickey, are you kidding me? He loved that guy.
0: Yeah, he did. Like, he he treated him hard, but he had to. He had to to wake him up. Oh,
1: dude. That's what love looks like to me, bro. You should see how
0: my
1: wife treats me. Yeah, if I'm like, my finger hurts you, shut the fuck up. I'm like, all right, all right. Uh, Anyway, so, like, this dude, he he loved Mickey. You know what I mean? And he goes down in the fight. Like, he goes down, gets knocked down. He's done. Dude wants to quit. Like, Rocky wants to quit. He's done. And what's the famous line where the music starts and everybody gets into it, right? Mickey sticks his head in the ring and goes, get up, you son of a bitch, because Mickey loves you. Yeah. And then the music starts and he gets up and he keeps fighting. And not one person had that feeling of disgust. Yeah. Not oh. one. Not one person went, that is wrong. You're manipulating this guy who never had anything other than your affection. You're manipulating this being that can't think. Nobody was disgusted at that moment. Everybody in the room, teary-eyed, beautiful moment. We all agree, beautiful moment. You know what I'm saying? Mm
0: -hmm. That's why there's been so many Rocky movies ever since. Of course, because we all keep... I mean, dude, the same
1: thing, you know, Mr. Miyagi, every every fucking movie that has any kind of, like, uh, overcoming thing, like, that has that scene. It's the... It's the, in whatever, in Gladiator, the dude's got the little statue of his family in his pocket. You know what I mean? Like, that's just such a reoccurring, yeah. uh, iconic thing for, for people because it's this beautiful moment and we know it. I don't, think so many, were-
0: I don't think so many people would feel that romantic feeling if they watched a dogfight, though. I don't think they would be so come away feeling enlightened or wonderful or proud or anything like that. It's, they absolutely
1: um, wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. And I, and I don't think they should, is what I'm saying. Like, the problem is the guys that were doing it, in their mind, they were reliving over and over that Rocky movie moment. Mm-hmm. They're wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're very wrong. But in their mind, they were reliving over look, and over. I mean, over.
0: But look, this happens in racing cultures with animals as well. You mean it's been happening for years. in? This, this is why people are so violently opposed to racing sports and so forth because, sure. I mean, animals are – Primarily treated in the same fashion. They look. They're raised well. They're fed well. They're conditioned mm-hmm. well. Um, however, they you know if they don't serve their purpose, if it's a horse or a dog, they're either getting shot or, or sent to a, a cannery sure. yeah. because they don't serve any purpose anymore. So people have so, and that that culture has had a paradigm shift in australia too. more recently with the greyhounds where people have just said look I'm, I'm sick of it i'm tired of watching these dogs getting taken out of the racing game and shot in the back paddock somewhere and just mass graves yeah. of dogs that don't serve their purpose people have turned on it they've just said it may have been acceptable at some period of time where people cared less about things and thought less about how animals felt about things when they were considered beasts of burdens, that they didn't have souls and they didn't think and they weren't really part of the household. But, you know, since we've, I, I guess in the last 20 years where people have become more anthropomorphic about their animals and they've understood them more and science has shone a bit of a better light in how animals think and feel, that's been a quite a shift in people's hearts and minds. Yeah.
1: And it's, it, it's a good shift, man. It's a good shift. It is shift. a good shift, yeah, I agree. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to realize that back in the day, those guys were incorrectly, but very deeply anthropomorphic. Like they were, the reason that they think it's beautiful is because they, they assign it more depth than it has. Like when my, when my wife chooses to fight, she knows that there's this thing inside her that she wants to bring out. She wants to test herself. She wants to have a moment. And she can't find that moment without this other person. Mm -hmm. And so her and this other person agree to have this moment where they are going to find this thing between them that they can't find. Literally, there's no other way to find it. Everything else is a far second surrogate for finding this moment. And they're going to help each other find this moment. And it's going to be beautiful. And like, that's deep. But the problem is, like, their anthropomorphic went the bad way because they would give them that kind of depth and beauty, but it didn't have it. Mm -hmm. So it was – they were overly anthropomorphic at a time when everybody else was like, dogs can't think. They're like, are you kidding me? That dog – you know what I
3: mean? Like, He knows he's a champion and he –
1: Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? The romantic notion of it, right? Yeah. And so anyway – what happened to me, I'll give the quick thing of my history and then how it affected my training. But the idea is that when I was about 14, I went, I don't think I can keep going around this stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. And I love the dogs and I love the work, but living with dogs was, was part of my life and working dogs was part of my life, but I just couldn't be in or support the thing anymore. And you know how, like when you're rebellious, like if you're, if your dad's a punk rock dude, you're going to play the violin. And if your yeah. dad's a preacher, you're going to be punk rock or whatever. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Everybody was biker. So I was like, I'm not going to be a biker. I'm going to drive a muscle car. And I'm going to have a mohawk. And I'm just going to be – I'm going to rebel against whatever. It was stupid. I just picked another genre, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But it's
1: like I'm also, I'm also not going to fight. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to support it. I'm not going to go. There's something wrong with it. And I couldn't articulate it. And I was too young and stupid, but I knew that there was something that I didn't like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And one of my friends got busted. And when he got busted, he had a litter of puppies busted for unrelated stuff. He did bad things to people. It wasn't dogs. He got busted for but he had a litter of puppies and they were good. They were these old family reds, these beautiful game dogs. And the two adults got put down. This was way before people's hearts were like rescue all the pibbles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they just kill them quick, but the puppies uh, somebody knew somebody and got a hold of the puppies, and they didn't want—they didn't want to get rid of them. They didn't want to kill them, but they were scared to adopt them out because anybody that knows the dogs is going to fight them, and mm-hmm. anybody that doesn't know the dogs is going to be in deep, deep shit because it's just way too much dog for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like giving a Malinois to somebody that doesn't know dogs. You know what I mean? It's just way too much. And so I got given this litter of puppies, and at 14. I was like, okay, I'm going to help find homes for these puppies, but it can't be somebody that knows pit bulls because if they knew, if I was like, do you know what this dog is? They go, yeah. I'm like, we'll get your hands off it. You can't have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, have you ever heard of a pit bull? They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, you're eligible, but Jesus, we the <laughs> work to do. You know what I mean? Holy yeah. shit. And so like I at 14 was in this place of trying to explain to people who didn't know the dog, how to live with the dog. And that was where I started at 14. And so I was like that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And then after that, I was always in martial arts ever since I was a little kid. And so I was always in a school that had 50 to 100 people in it. And there was always people – I was the guy that knew dogs. Like I was the dog guy, right? Mm-hmm. So my dog was with me all the time. Every school I've ever been in, my dog's been on the mat with me, like in a down next to the mat or on a bed next to the mat. Or walking wandering around the school loose while we're training. Like I've just – I've been lucky <laughs> enough that – you should see footage of my job i've been lucky enough that well when i was a kid i realized now it wasn't luck like as an adult i've been lucky enough to have teachers tolerant of my dogs yeah because it wasn't even a question i didn't even walk in and go hey is it okay that my dog's with me my fucking dog is with me yeah yeah, you're just that guy it's a a package
3: that comes together
1: yeah i've walked in i've literally walked i've had my dog at fights like for human fights like backstage like i just walk in it's like i in my head it's like I was acting like he was a service dog, but there was no pretense. I didn't walk in. <laughs> yep. I realized when I was a kid, when I was six and I took my dog in, that was not my teacher being cool. I realized he didn't want to get a shot, so he just shut up and tolerated it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's like, fuck, I don't know what to do. This kid has a dog. That he took career.
3: the path of least <laughs> resistance.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, have you seen his dad? Just shut the fuck up. He'll be fine. He's going to kill us. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, anyway, uh, I've always had dogs with me in the gym. But that has been a a pool of 50 to 100 people where I'm the guy that has the dog that can be in the gym. Mm -hmm. And so then everybody's like, dude, how the fuck do you do that? My dog would be losing his mind. And I'm like, oh, it's not that hard or whatever. And so always been helping people out with their dogs. And because the only way I know how to do it is to work them, I put dogs to work. You know what I mean? Like they're working the dog. They're doing road work. They're giving these dogs games and outlets. And I just – that's all I ever knew. But it's just – it's not cause I was smart. It's cause it was what I grew up with. You know what I mean? Luckily. And then also everybody knew me around. So if anybody had a pit bull that they weren't fighting and they wanted help with, they came to me and then rescues would start coming to me and going, Hey, I heard you're the guy that is good with pits. And I'm like, sure. You know what I mean? And as the popularity with pit bulls grew, that whole thing grew. So my involvement grew, but it wasn't a job, you know, it was just something I did. And so I was doing just my thing. was just retired from fighting and, and running my gym. And then, uh, I got a hold of a dog, this little shithead dog sitting in front of me right now, Mabel. She bit my wife's face at 12 weeks. <laughs> and yeah, she did. She's a shit. And then I was like, well, in my head, all I had ever been around was game bred dogs. And the propensity for human biting is very, very low. And I was like, okay, everything in my DNA and history says we got to go shoot the dog now. Mm. But I didn't want to. And I was like... I've helped so many dogs become different than they started. This can't just be a, oh, the only thing you can do is shoot. Them. It can't be. Mm-hmm. And I refused to accept it. But in my head, I didn't understand. I, 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 I told myself I didn't understand dog training. You know what I mean? And then, uh, Chad Mackin was in my area and I went and found him. And when I found him, I mean, I looked at some other local dog trainers. I apprenticed with a couple people, and nobody was telling me shit that made sense to me. And I was just like, "This is junk." <laughs> just immediately, this is junk, mm-hmm. you know. And then found Chad, and Chad started talking to me, and the shit he said made sense. And I was like, "This is awesome," and I want to learn and whatever. And he was like, "Dude, you're a dog trainer," and I'm like, "No, I'm not." He goes, "Bro, you're 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 a dog. Just
3: ridiculous. <laughs> you a dog."
1: I was like, no, man, I'm not. <laughs> and uh, that kept going. We kept that argument up for about a year. And then one day at one of his seminars, I was working some dogs, helping him out. And uh, somebody goes, where's your facility? I went, I'm not a dog trainer. And then he goes, Jay is now a professional. Like, it, it was stupid. He was just like, we're going to say that now you're a professional. Like, you've been gifted it. And then, here you go. You're hanging your He <laughs> was like, now you're a dog trainer. I was like, fuck. Now what do I
0: do? Do you know what, Jay? It's, <laughs> it's interesting you're talking about this. And I was having a think about this the other day. I was online having a look at some forums being posted up just in general. And at the Mm -hmm. moment, there's a lot of people around the world that are giving general advice on how people should train dogs. And yet, I don't really believe they've trained many dogs themselves. So they have this proclamation that they're professional trainers, yet they're talking a good talk. But, I mean, I challenge people on the walk as well. So we often say, if you talk the talk, can you walk the walk? So I'm very interested to see where and how these people actually translate it into physical training. I'm impressed when I hear people talk well. I'm impressed when I hear them using, you know, they have a a good understanding of terminology and science and training. That's wonderful. But how do they translate it into general training when they're talking about dealing with difficult situations and how does that work when people come to them with with a problem and you're seeing long-term results? Look, I've met people before that haven't done any courses And I'm very much about certification. We run a certification course here in Australia. I've trained hundreds and hundreds of students in it. And I I think it's wonderful. I support it and I acknowledge it. But I've met people before that have no certification to their name. And boy, can they train dogs. Like you started off, they have no idea why or how, but they just know that it makes sense to them. It was a calling. It was something that was part of their history, part of their childhood, part of their family part of their foundation somehow but it translated into good common sense and their results speak for themselves they just understand how to communicate well with a dog and when it comes down to it if you know how to talk spanish to a someone from mexico then you're talking the same language you know how to have a conversation with them and if you're if you know how to translate well to your dog then you're having a good conversation you get great outcomes from that sure there are some good dog trainers that haven't got a single bit of paper to their name
1: Yeah, I have (laughs) none.
0: Don't worry, I don't tell
1: people that I'm like, Yeah, dude, I'm not. I don't know. Or there are people at seminars who are like, Now how would you put that into a business model? I'm like, Fuck man, I don't know. Like I don't even I have no idea, dude. I'm just working dogs. I have no idea. Like I literally work dogs out of my gym.
0: And it works. It works
1: no, it works awesome. It's, it's just great. It's wonderful. Like people fly here from all over the world to like work their dogs at my jujitsu gym. It's like, it's just hilarious to me. You know what I mean? It's like people will ask like, how do you make that a business? I'm like, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I didn't mean to. It just I wasn't works. trying. I mm.
2: have no
1: idea. They're like, how do you break under the seminar circuit? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I really <laughs> don't know. I really have no idea. But anyway, so the stupid thing is like, the history with those dogs, helping people in rescues and helping people that didn't know those dogs live with those dogs. And then at the same time, rehabilitating humans outside of dogs,
2: mm-hmm. because
1: the martial arts gym that I own, my whole life has been about helping people train, like accomplish more. So there's two types of people in my gym. There's people that want to pursue the sport of martial arts, and I am helping those people excel. And so when I work a sport dog, it's literally all the principles are exactly the same. All the principles are exactly the same. And I apply, I understood dog training principles, like sport dog training principles, pretty innately because humans are, you build beings up for sport the same way regardless of species. You know what I mean? Maybe if it's fish, fuck, I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like dogs and people aren't that fucking different when they're getting ready to train. Like that's Mm -hmm. just the way it is. Yep. Like, you know, tolerance for non-reinforcement being able to endure hardships, building drive, you know what I mean? Teaching them how to face pressure. Like all of that shit's the same. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so it's like, there's that type of person in my gym. So I have experience with that. And then the other type of person is somebody that's coming in fundamentally broken on a certain level. And we're going to use this sport. We're going to use this game. We're going to use this training to build them back up. So I get kids that are bullies. They're human aggressive. I get kids. They're scared you know what I mean? It's the same shit you see with dogs. You get fearful dogs, you get aggro dogs, you get pushy dogs. It's the same thing. People walk in my door all the time.
0: Hence and those why people don't have
1: any aspirations of competing, but we're going to straighten them out. Yeah, H- yeah.
0: Hence why all the early psychologists experimented on dogs. It was for yeah, our exactly. benefit. That's why I tell people anytime I'm, I'm working with any of my students, I tell them, do you think any of these guys were contemplating how to make great dog trainers? They were always doing it to get into the human psyche.
1: Sure. What's funny is I have uh, a girl here that apprenticed with me with dogs for about four or five years, well, about four years or three or four years, whatever. I fucking suck at math, but anyway, whatever. It's years, years, multiple mm-hmm. years, right? And then moved here and started training jujitsu with me. And so, like, trained dogs first. And it's funny because all these people are all all these people that I'm teaching jujitsu to. As she's learning, she'll stop every once in a while and look at me, and she goes, "You're training us like you train dogs," and I'm
2: like,
3: <laughs>
1: "Yeah." Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Fuck. Yeah. yeah of course. I. Why wouldn't I? Man? Oh, fuck. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Well, the principles are exactly the same. It's exactly 100% the same. Thing. They're
1: the same. Right. So this is where people get into the conundrum that is me. Right. Like, so I grew up all hard and I'm around these game bred dogs. and I fist fight for money and I watch my wife get kicked in the mouth. And like, obviously, clearly, obviously, when I train, it's going to be, prong collars and blah, 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 and I'm going to smash on dogs, and I must clearly not care about heavy corrections. And it's funny because, man, if somebody watches me work, I'm as close to one can get to purely positive without getting into ridiculousness. Yeah, I mean, I'm not at all, really, but I kind of, I mean, it, it presents that way. Anybody that knows anything will look at me and go, oh, wow, okay, he's definitely using corrections. He's definitely using punishments. He's definitely using pressure. But it looks, I'm so unbelievably... I do not use physical pain as a strategy
2: mm-hmm. that
1: doesn't exist in my world, but it's not because I'm a fucking hippie. It's because the dogs that I love don't give a shit. They don't care. Like you can hit them with a shovel and if they don't love you, they don't give a fuck that you hit them with a shovel. Yeah. If you hit them with a shovel and they stop, it's because the shovel got their attention and they stopped because dad's mad.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? They don't even fuck about the shovel. Give a stranger a shovel. They're not going to stop. But then you realize, well, like, look, if the shovel is not what's stopping them, why am I hitting them with a shovel? I could hit them with rolled up paper. I could hit them with nothing. I could – I use it – honestly, my big – one of my biggest go-to shit has gone sideways. I'm going to use a punishment. It's a fucking water bottle. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I use on aggro dogs, man. I'm like I – my water bottle is what I pull out and then I feel bad about it as a trainer because I couldn't get around it. Like, I fucked up, I wasn't thinking, I didn't set up, the the stimulus was too close, I underestimated his range, whatever the fuck, right? But like, if, if I use a water bottle, I'm like, damn it,
3: you know what I mean? It's so remarkable how important relationship is in that training. And I noticed that in the same way you see it with game dogs, like when I was in the army and you see military working dogs that have and will legit kill people and endure the, yeah. the struggle and pain associated with a fight to the death. But when yeah. their handler says no to them and they their ears pin back and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I've upset my dad. Yeah. Like, Because yeah. it's the same deal. You cannot physically hurt those dogs enough to be punishment because yeah. they've been conditioned and taught their whole life that yeah. pain should rev you up and make you work harder and make you overcome things. Yeah. Exactly the same yeah. with those game dogs. But then the rela- if you don't have a relationship with them where they really care about how you treat with them, how you talk to them, I just think it's yeah. amazing. I just think a dog that that can have a stick broken on his head, but then when his handler says, calls him a bad boy. But
0: look at the history you've had in the army. I mean, you know some brutal people yeah, and yeah. at one stage you were probably one of them. And yet, you know, like when I watch you with your son, you know, you're kind and considerate and, and nurturing. Yeah, different and, picture, yeah. Different picture. I think everybody has multiple sides to them and they adapt to the environment that they have to be in at the time. Mm. I mean, when I've worked security dogs before, I've seen those dogs they just have murder in their eyes at the time when they're working. And yet you can bring them home, be in a company of people that you know and trust. And that dog is a different dog. Mm, that dog yeah. is sitting on the couch with you all and, you know, you're all laughing and, and carrying on and getting drunk and the dog is having a great time with you. But on the street, that dog is a warrior, yeah. you know, ready, yeah. ready to rock.
1: Once I realized that, then I go, okay. Like everybody wants to talk about charging a fucking clicker and charging an e-collar and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, man, If in these dogs that nothing – it's like the relationship is the most valuable and the most important tool. Not only is it the tool that you're never going to have to worry about the batteries being dead. You're never going to have to worry about them getting collar-wise. You're never going to have to worry about did you remember to bring the bag of fucking treats. But it deeply affects them. It's, It's not just that it is a tool. It is that to me it is a deeper tool than anything else. You know what I mean? Like love means more than a fucking cookie. Love means more than a beating. I will gladly endure a beating. You know what I mean? Like, if my wife even – if she looked at me and went, I am marginally disappointed in you, it
2: would crush me. Yeah. Would crush me. <laughs> yep.
1: You know what I mean? Like, I'll let you stab me for a bet.
2: Like you know what I mean? <laughs> like,
1: like she, she, If she looked at me and just went – I'd be like, oh, god damn it. You know what I mean? It would kill me. Yeah. So it's like – and I'm not anthropom- antipodent or whatever. I'm not, I'm not giving human uh, yeah, qualities yeah. to the dogs. I absolutely know. They're social creatures. They feel it too you know what I mean? I use, I shun dogs, man. I went down, ever heard of Amy Sadler, dogs play for life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So famous lady, right? Like she got a crew of dogs, like these 20 dogs from a fight bus. And, uh, she wrote me and I was a little bit nervous. Cause she's like, she's been around the game for a long time. And she was like, look, you know how people will say in your entire career, you'll get one or two of those dogs. I was like, yeah, she goes, I've realized I've, I would have said I've seen about five or six. And I realized after these dogs, none of those dogs that I ever saw were anything and all of these are and Mm -hmm. I was like fuck all right here we go you know what I mean because you're always waiting to see like is this about to be something I've never seen am I full of shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean like oh my god and I rolled in and start playing with these dogs start working these dogs and it's funny because they literally were they'd had other people come in and work and I mean they'll take anything these dogs will take anything they don't give a shit and they were just like we are maxed out at what you can do on a punitive scale and still be legal like this is not and they don't give a shit mm-hmm. and i'm playing with the dog and the dog nicks my hand like we're playing tug with the dog the dog nicks my hand and i have a three minute conversation with the dog and she will I'm, i think she videotaped you have to find it but she can talk we, she talked about it on our podcast like I literally was like, get the fuck away from me. Leave me alone, man. I don't want to play with you, bro. Leave me alone. And I'm talking to him like he's a kid. I'm like, I don't like people that play like that. That's bullshit, man. And I stick my bloody finger in his nose. I'm poking him in the nose. Like, look what you fucking did. Look at that. Man, fuck you. Get away from me. I'm not going to play with you. And she's just sitting in a chair going, I cannot believe I just paid you a grand.
3: Yeah, who <laughs> is this crazy man? <laughs> for this shit.
1: Like, are you fucking
3: serious? You know what I mean? Like,
1: like everybody in the dog training world will tell you, don't humanize the dog. And I'm just full on, like, I'm talking to him like he's a kid. Now, I'm, a t- I'm a 10-year-old offended at another 10-year-old. And the dog was like... Dude, literally for the first time, like softens and goes, bro, I'm sorry. And then we play this gnarly, awesome game of tug and he's very cautious. And now he's responding to no reward markers. I mean, it's ridiculous.
0: Let me just say, Jay, and this is for anyone listening as well. There's a difference between being ridiculously anthropomorphic and there's a difference between talking to your dogs. I mean, I talk to my dogs all the time. I just don't have the unrealistic expectation that they're going to respond to me like a human being would. So, sure. I mean, yeah. I think part of the culture or part of the love of owning and the joy of owning a dog is chatting to it. I think one of the best parts of therapy is sitting down talking to your dog. They're non-judgmental. They're not going to answer your back or give you a ridiculous statement in return. They will yeah. They will sit there and they'll wag their tail, lick your face. And, you know, I mean, I often sure. think they often say that the best therapy is a dog's head in your lap. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I think the way where we've changed in the culture in the last Probably more so the last 20 years where where I started to see that shift in how people were having a relationship with their dogs, where they started to then treat their dogs like they were children. But it's the unrealism, I think, attached to it, which causes, not, I think, I actually know, I've seen the implications it has on rearing dogs and training dogs and, and having a relationship with dogs. I think that sort of unrealistic expectation sends more dogs to being euthanized than anything else. Because yeah. it creates a social divide between humans and dogs once they realize yeah. it's a fantasy. Yeah.
1: I tell people to talk to their dogs, but I explain to them when I when I'm talking to them, I'm like, look, man, talk to your dog as it like role play it out. If you're offended, talk to them like you're offended. Like it's it's harder to tell people it's harder to tell people how to mimic an emotion than it is to tell them to just do the acting you know
3: what i mean yeah yeah like that's, a, that's I could, what i was thinking I when you say, were like, saying like, it
1: before we're gonna play charades i'm gonna talk out loud but you're gonna guess yeah. i'm gonna describe to you the eiffel tower or whatever and i'm gonna be able to use hand gestures if you muted it it would come closer than if i said don't use your words yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like we get all stupid we're trying to like method act and mime shit mm-hmm. and it messes this up but if i go man talk to them tell them you're bummed and they'll go like, I am so disappointed, but it's like the dog doesn't know what the fuck you're saying, mm. but he damn sure knows that the vibe you're putting
3: out. That's right. It's all part of being in character for for the role you're yes. playing. Mm.
1: And we- it's easier for them to understand if you present a clear picture, but because we're so verbal in our heads, it's easier for us to paint the picture if we use the words.
0: Yeah. Well, knowing one of my- they're
1: superfluous, knowing they don't matter.
0: One of my mentors had a phrase that he used to use in training that he said some of the best dog trainers are the biggest clowns, (laughs) which basically meant that, yeah, like we're talking about method acting, he used to say to us, people who were relaxed and not conscious of their environment and not worried about what other people thought and so forth. You know, like we used to watch big men, like big burly men talking in high-pitched voices to their dogs and you could see the response from their dog compared to people who wouldn't do it. They just, you know, they kind of thought, well, if I talk to my dog like this, I'm going to be seen as a sissy where other guys say, oh, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And they do it, and yeah. you'd see the actual change in behavior with the dog. You'd see the relationship endure because they were prepared to do what other people wouldn't do.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's funny, the big burly dude thing, the hard one that they have with me when I'm training them is my no. Like my word, my word for egregious errors is no. Right. Like, so I have a couple different words. Like, Mm -hmm. ah, means it's like an urban mark. Ah, means you're blowing it, but keep like, you're not doing it right.
0: Keep trying. Yep.
1: Right. Enough means you're, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but that's not on the table right now. Like this is, this activity is not going to bear fruit. Don't keep trying. Mm -hmm. Right. And no means you fucked up. Never in the history of the world will that ever be okay.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like that'll never be like biting babies, chewing electrical cords. Like that's never, never, never. Right. And so then when I'm talking to people and they use the word no, I go, look, man, it's really important. This is the hard one. I'm like, it's really important for you to sound disappointed, not mad.
2: <laughs> yep.
1: And that's super easy for the the women that I train or yeah. the non-burly dudes that I train. They'll get it. They'll go, okay. And they'll go, no, right? The dudes are like, no. <laughs> you all <know>, pissed <laughs> off, you know? And I'm like, look, man, don't do that. And it's a very specific reason. Like I talk shit, you know what I mean, about like – I just I speak in plain terms most of the time, but it's a very specific reason. You know, like if you look at Panxeps work, they talk about the different negative emotional systems that dogs are all hardwired with, like these blue ribbon emotions. Mm-hmm. And one of them is rage and one of them is fear and one of them is panic, right? Panic is the social attachment system. Fear mm-hmm. is the is the obvious it's a it's pretty self explanatory, fear of safety, fear of you know what I mean, threatening things happening to you. Mm-hmm. And panic is the social attachment system. That's what happens when your dog looks, everybody does this. They'll hide behind a tree when their dog's in the woods and they'll recall and the dog's like, holy shit, that increase in drive is the panic system. Mm-hmm. And it sounds terrible to go like, oh, I prefer to use panic, not fear. That sounds patently fucking stupid. Yeah. But the, but the truth is if I'm going to put a pebble on the negative side of the scale somewhere, if I'm going to put a pebble, like, you know what I mean? Like there's three negative emotional systems, rage, fear, and panic. I don't want a dog to increase rage, you know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to increase that. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to increase fear. It sounds terrible to go. I want to increase panic. But if I must, if I fucked up in my training sufficiently that I am now forced to put a pebble on the side of the bad side of the scale, I'm going to put it in that slot in the social attachment category, not the physical fear category. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because just like like you can blindfold there's Temple Grandin's done these studies. If you've never read her book, Animals Make Us Human, fucking go read it. It's amazing for dog trainers, right? But it's like she talks about these studies that they've done on pigs where they blindfold or they put these genetic clone pigs, they put some of them in a visually stimulating Uh, environment but it has no olfactory stimulation Mm -hmm. and the others they put in an environment that was olfactorily stimulating you know but not visually stimulating and then on autopsy they can tell the difference between the two pigs because in one the olfactory area of the brain has less neurons and dendrites and the visual area has more. Mm -hmm. so like on autopsy they can tell it's like if you atrophy your left by if you don't use your left arm you use your right arm you're going to atrophy your left arm you're going to use your right arm yeah and the reason that's important is because if somebody throws you a ball you're not going to use the atrophied arm
3: that's right so the
1: system the system that is more built is the one that is more likely to come on when prompted
3: Mm -hmm.
1: right and so i get these dogs and if i start going no every time it's like you do one curl (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah every
1: time i i make you feel fear you're doing a curl you're building that rep mm-hmm. so then i've got to decide which center am i giving that rep to right and if i've got a dog that is genetically born with no fear center they're like fuck the world i'll run into a wood chipper for a tennis ball i don't give a shit mm-hmm. you're ineffectual because you're trying to stimulate a system that doesn't exist
3: tap something that's not there yeah that's really right. interesting and if
1: there's a dog that's too scared. Now, I have a problem because every time I use that, it works real well. I go, no, and they flatten. Fuck, man, I'm sorry. I can use it very effectively, but I'm giving reps to that area. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like and you could have this dog was more fearful. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like that. I don't want to give reps to the fear system ever. Mm-hmm. Never, either because it doesn't exist and it's fucking pointless, or it does exist and I don't want it to get more reps. I want to atrophy that area of the brain. And encourage the other areas of the brain. So I want to turn on seeking and play and nurturing. Mm-hmm. Those are the good side, right? But if I've got to fuck around with the bad side, I wanna use I wanna use the social attachment system. Mm. Now the problem is the way that you speak to your dog affects which area of the brain lights up. You know what I mean? So like if I go, no, it's definitely lighting up the fear center of the brain. Even if it's mild, even if it's not like, oh god, I'm gonna fucking die.
3: You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because it counts. Like,
1: It counts. It's a rep, dude. It counts. It's electrical impulse. Every time you light that area up, you're increasing the likelihood and the intensity of it lighting up in the future. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. So, like, I make sure that when I go no, I go no. And I kind of role play a little bit of the disappointment and not the pissed. Mm -hmm. Because I'm trying to emphasize the social aspect and not the physical fear aspect.
3: Man, this is a really fucking good, thought-out, deep strategy. Hey, oh, It this is. is, yeah.
0: There's a lot of, there's <laughs> actual, like,
3: there's some good stuff. I'm like, holy fuck, this. This. this is, and that. this isn't shit that you, you hear getting around much. This is, I've never heard oh. anyone speak in these terms before.
1: Mm. All right. Like, it, to me, it's a...
0: And you say yeah, you're not yeah. a dog trainer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like, uh... I would tell you this, like, it's not, I, I want, I wish I was a genius, you know what I mean? Like, I wish I could go, like, I'm fucking smart, that's how I came up with it, boom, bitch, but
3: <laughs> it's not, I, I sat down you know with a whiteboard in the lab, and I fucking figured that fucking out.
1: Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's the thing, man, like, my wife taught me that years and years ago, you know what I mean? Like, she's a... Ooh, I almost did it. Man, you guys warned me ahead of time. I didn't. She's a bitch, man. I love her to death, but she's an asshole when she coaches. And I say asshole, but the truth is she loves the shit out of me and she's really good. And she'll give each person what they need. You know, if somebody somebody backstage needs to be like light and funny, we'll be light and funny. If Mm -hmm. they need me to be like, let's get serious, motherfucker, then whatever they need us to do, then that's what we do that day, you know, to get them in their right space. But for me, man, I'm not scared you know what I mean like I I, I've done some stupid shit if we have storytelling time it's fucking ridiculous you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like I've done a lot of bad shit and experienced a lot of bad shit and uh, I pride myself on my gameness so like and I respond badly to confrontation you know what I mean like the, the it doesn't work for me somebody in my corner going you get your fucking head out of your ass like that does not help me like I immediately start getting mad at them I'm not like all of a sudden more fired up to go whoop this other dude's ass I'm like fuck you you know what I mean but my wife, man, she'll be like cold. She'll she I'll give you the story. I was fighting in Denver one time. It was in the Pepsi Center, and they had us mic'd because they were recording this. So there's a recording of this some fucking where. <laughs> and I'm I I had a first round and it was pretty good. Man, I thought I did real. <laughs> I thought I did pretty good, but uh, you know how like you can look at your dog and tell when they're kind of not
2: mm-hmm. with it.
1: You know what I mean? Like even if they're putting up good. And they're performing well, like you see them and you're like, this is off. He's off. You know what I mean? You get to know that with your dogs. You get to know that with your fighters, you know? And so like I had a round that I thought was a pretty good first round, but apparently my head was off a little bit and I was displaying that through my face and I don't even know that I was aware of it. But I'm getting up and I'm walking back to my corner and it was neat. My wife and one of our students, and I just opened my first gym that I owned myself, and mm-hmm. we flew him from Maine to Denver to do the fight. So it's all three of us, like a family on the same card, and they're both in my corner. So here's my guy, and imagine, like, you know, like the first time you hear somebody yell at your dad, yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh shit, <laughs> like he thinks I'm Superman. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so he's watching me fight. He won his fight. Mandy won her fight. And now I'm in the headlining fight. And it's this whole, it's this fucking movie moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this kid's all ecstatic. He's in my corner. And I'm getting up and I'm walking back to my corner. And I remember the ref was directly to the left of me. And as I make eye contact with my corner, I'm walking to him. She says loud enough for the fucking arena to hear she goes get that fucking look off your face your student didn't fly a thousand miles to watch you look like a coward <laughs> and uh, as I was walking back to the corner I saw the referee on the left of me he hears her say that and made that like married dude yeah. boy, like, like look you know what I mean and he wasn't supposed to it was very subtle like he wasn't trying to play it up but he was just like Jesus bro, yeah. you know what I mean? and my student gets all fucking crazy But that's the thing is like she's done that to me a couple of times. You know, I mean, I've had days where I've done tournaments and and you know what I mean? I'm looking pretty bad and she's walked up to me right before the thing and gone like, hey, look, are you going to put up or not? Because like it's no big deal. I'm not mad at you. Everything's cool. I just want to know because like I don't want to see you like that. So like if you're not going to, I'm just going to go sit outside because I don't want to. like it hurts my heart to see you like that. Mm. And you're just like I crushed that guy. Like I just destroyed the next dude. Nice. Literally wanted to say, I'm sorry. I was like, bro, this is not your fault. You know
3: I mean? <laughs> this is a relationship issue. I'm just working it out on your face.
1: I'm literally like, I'm literally like wiping tears out of my eyes as I'm walking onto the mat. Like I'm going to fucking kill this guy. You know. But, uh, but that's the thing. Like it wouldn't work if she was like, you fucking me, 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 me. If, yeah, she, yeah. if she tapped into that idea of like a fear center, it wouldn't work for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so like for me, everything in training Uh, it's not like I'm sitting around with fucking flow charts and shit around. I'm not like a science dude. I don't wear a lab coat, but in my head, it's very clear to me. I am trying to turn on the seeking system, access, play and nurturing and not, if I can help it, not turn on any of the negative emotional systems. But if I wind up having to, then I choose to do the social attachment system because I don't want to increase the use of fear for most dogs, uh, I just don't want to give them extra reps, but the dogs that I truly love the most don't have it. it yeah. or or to access it you got to go so over the top. It's cool, you know.
3: You know, it's it's so awesome to hear, you say cuz so something I I found out many years ago is a lot of inventors are people with two trades, right? So they have one trade whatever they do, they take up another and they see in that trade, "Oh, there's a thing in my other trade that makes this one easier," and they invent a new product to make it better there's lots of examples of that see a need fill a need yeah Yeah, and i think that you've you're exactly that right so from your i mean you're a pretty extreme guy a game as fuck by the sounds of it by all accounts (laughs) and you can then rationalize to us and work through these these concepts that uh dogs of of the same nature as you are going through but can't explain what's going on and you yeah. can identify it in yourself you, you've figured it out and come up with a way to replicate that into other people into other dogs and people as well but that's exactly it's exactly that same picture where you've taken the concept from one that's effective and put it yeah. into something totally different where it fits perfectly
0: also in the aspect of whenever you look at people who are, are great at what they do there's two things that i think I visualize in them, and is, that is that they're passionate and compassionate. And I feel that with you, Jay. I don't know you well at all. I mean, I was over in the IACP conference, and you were there, weren't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've been there the last couple of years. Yeah.
0: When you were there, uh, Brent and Kat, who came over with me from uh, Australia, they said, oh, Jay's here. And I said, Jay who? And they said, Jay Jack. And I said, oh, because um, I didn't know who you were up sure. at that point in yeah. time. I knew Pat was bringing you guys over and I said, oh, damn, I, I, think you, I don't think you were there for the whole conference. I think you were there and then had to go early or yeah. uh, I'm not sure what happened, but um, we never got to meet each other or hook up or anything like that. But I know for a fact that when people talk about you, they say that you're a very passionate person in what you do. And I can, mm-hmm. in the short time that you've been on the interview, just hearing you talk about your history as a young guy migrating into your martial arts and your your love of bull breed dogs and dogs in general. You can hear that you are very passionate about it and you've developed compassion as well.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think that for me, one of the biggest signs of strength is the ability to be soft and not like a, in a cheesy, to me, it's actually like a real sense of power. Like the sign of power to me is lack of concern. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like lions, like peacocks bluster, like they puff up and they fucking strut. You know what I mean? Like lions just go, eh, I'm a fucking lion, dude. What do you want? You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't puff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so like, for me, the quickest symbol of, of power is like lack of concern, which sounds like cold and shitty, but I mean, lack of concern. Like my favorite quote, this is Bruce Lee quote. That said, freedom finds man the moment he loses concern over the impression he is or is about to be making. Mm. And that was life-affirming for me as a kid. You know what I mean? George, and
0: so, like George Carlin sums it up very similar as well. He says the most liberating time in your life is when you give up caring about what other people think.
1: Absolutely, a hundred percent. And so, for me, it's like most people. It's not that most people aren't compassionate. It's that most people are too weak or too scared to show their compassion. Mm -hmm. Like they have a thought, but they swallow it. Or they go like, man, that makes me sad, but they don't express it. And they're like, I don't give a shit. I'll cry whenever the fuck I want to. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. And so like I can tell people vulnerable things about myself and I can – talk to somebody when they say something I can go man you know that that's like this or that makes me feel this way or you know here's what we can do or I can I can afford to have a moment with somebody where I can be completely connected to them and talk to them about something that's serious and give no shits about the fact that everybody around us is like wow that's an awkward conversation I don't give a fuck like this person needs to have this conversation yeah
0: yeah that's right so
1: for me part of compassion is the strength to not give a shit what you look like while you're providing that compassion.
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: And it's the same thing with dogs, because I can give a fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll work a dog and I'll lose myself with that dog entirely. And it's that's the hard part about seminars. I have to have somebody with a timer and a brain going like, (laughs) stop. It's been two hours. Calm down. Me and that dog will just have it for the rest of the day. I'll just be like, me and this dog are going to be over here. (laughs) You know?
3: And But anyway. Uh, it, it sort of relates to that playing the character you need to uh, as well. It relates to that playing the character you need to. And dogs are capable of that and they need people to do the same. I yeah, think one totally of the best great. videos, I'm ho- I know it's not online. Someone showed it to me, but I hope to be able to show it to you when you're here. I saw a friend of mine's Kelpie working cattle once, right? Mm-hmm. And this cow just refused to move. She's got a calf with her and she gives a straight up refusal to the dog. It's not yeah. It's not going to be pushed around. Now, that dog goes in and puts the fucking hurts on that cow. It's a real fight. The dog's standing on its back, biting its ears, and it eventually gets compliance, and the cow goes over with the rest, and she leaves behind the calf. And that dog's just been in a massive fight, right? Like, his face is covered in blood. He's had to really put the hurts on this cow. Comes back over, and you think you're about to see the same thing happen to this calf. And on the way over, he has a shake, and he gets to the calf, and he basically nudges him with his head and says, like, come on, little fellow, like, we've got to take you back to your mum. And it's the exact same thing, right? Playing like as much as you need to to get the job done. If he, he was enraged and he's capable, we've shown he's capable of fucking taking on a five hundred kilo beast sure. in a fight. But when he got there, he realized that that's not the that's not the picture for this this occurrence. Now I have to go back to compassion and show this little guy, hey, you got to go over there with your mummy. Mm.
1: This is also something that gets me with the. It's it's all dogs. All dogs have this, but bull, bulldogs have. We've bred them to show this more, like you know what I mean. Bloodhounds have been bred Mm -hmm. to track stuff better, and you know what I mean. Like all dogs can track, but bull, but you know what I mean. Bloodhounds can track better, or whatever. And so, like, we bred bulldogs to be more into this. And, like, I heard somebody today on a podcast. Going to this thing, they were like talking about drives, you know, and dogs, defense drive, prey drive, whatever. And somebody goes, What do you think about fight driving? He was like, That's ah, bullshit. There's no such thing as fight drive. It's either defense or prey. And I mean, the guy's a well known guy or whatever. So I'm like, What can I say? You know, I and mean? he knows fucking more than me. What am I going to do? But like, I think they're missing the boat on it because I think conflict drive is absolutely 100% a real thing. Mm. And I think that people that discount that are missing the fucking boat. Mm. there are dogs that everyone enjoys conflict to a certain degree. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I do Everybody exactly. does. That's why puzzles are hard to put the fuck together. You know what I mean? Like if puzzles were all like bing, bang, boom, nobody would fucking buy them. They're hard to put together. Mm-hmm.
0: You know and video I mean? games. Like we, that's a good example.
1: I mean, it, it, you know, well, that's the thing. Like if you look at, again, I'm going to go back to, this. if you look at Panksepp's work, he talks about the different systems, you know what I mean? So like, People will do roller coasters. Why do people do roller coasters? They scare themselves, but it's a controlled fun stimulus. You get to turn on, you know, you get to turn on the, the the sympathetic nervous system a little bit, but it's controlled. And it, you know what I mean? And you, to a certain degree, you can stimulate it and kind of feel good. Mm-hmm. To a certain degree, you know, you go past a certain level, and it's like fuck, that's terrible. Like people like haunted houses, but nobody wants to run from an axe murder.
3: You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
1: And so it's like the same thing. The rage system is the same way. Like a little bit of frustration. Some dogs love that shit. Yeah. I mean, like a little bit of like, I can't fucking make it work. I got to, you know what I mean? Like they'll dig at a root for three and a half hours. You know what I mean? Like that's not necessarily, there's a certain amount of that stimulation in that system that they enjoy. A certain amount of it's no good, but a certain amount they enjoy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'm
1: like that. I'm definitely like that. Like I will argue with you for nothing. (laughs) <laughs> we could have an argument for fucking 12 hours and then somebody could ring a bell and go switch positions and i'll argue the other side of it just as passionately i just like to argue. so
0: you're that like, guy uh, on the meme at the moment who's sitting down at a table with a cup of coffee saying certain subject changed my mind oh yeah. the Crowder meme, him yeah. <laughs> yeah steven crowder i
1: mean i like i just i, I like weights that don't want to come off the floor I like arguments, I like to fight, I like to kickball, kick I don't care, like I, it just, if I try to undo a knot and it doesn't come undone, I will, f- I'll cut off my finger, like I'll, <laughs> and I'll stay there all day, somebody will have to take it away from me, because I'm like this is fucking coming undone.
0: Just getting back to talking about the type of person you need to be in a certain type of situation. Even relating to canine behaviour. Has either of you guys watched The Crown on Netflix before? The Crown? The Crown. No. It's about Queen Elizabeth, the royal family. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, seriously, I wouldn't want her job for quids. No, but I I remember when I was a kid, I gather that there's a certain amount of fiction in this television movie, but there's also a lot of truth to it as well. Mm. I wouldn't want that woman's job for quids. And when I was a kid, I used to think, wouldn't it be wonderful to be part of the royal family to have all that luxury and mate that is the duty that she is given for her country and for her institution. I there's no way she is an incredibly powerful lady and who she became and how she became and what she's had to endure and the person that she did in the time, I mean that is just mm. it's phenomenal and it yeah. it relates to you know when we're talking about who you are and what you have to become in the moment. It's something I I think anybody should, just out of curiosity, watch it. It's quite intriguing. How much are Netflix paying you to to promote that? (laughs) (laughs) that To be honest, my (laughs) my wife watched it and she said, you should consider watching this. And she was telling me about it and I thought, oh, I don't really want to watch It It sounds shit. I'm just not interested in that at all. But once you get into the episodes and you watch how she evolved into becoming the queen Mm. and what she's had to endure in her life, you have a whole different respect for the lady. I mean, honestly... It's, I don't get much TV stuff. time. The last thing I watched on Netflix was that, The Push, which was fucking awesome. Yeah, The Push is great. Yeah, and there also is. Mindhunter. I've just finished watching Mindhunter. All right. There's our paid that ad for Netflix. amazing. That is great.
1: <laughs> that was amazing. That dude's speech in the interrogation room. Yeah. Whoo, that was a thing of beauty. That was beautiful. That yeah. guy's nuts. Amazing.
3: So. Yeah. So Jay, anyway, tell us now, let's what, bring around, we've spoken was, about your history and we've spoken about how you've developed your own, well, very unique style and dog training and, and especially that stuff you said before, I actually am really looking forward to going back and listening to that and sort of unpacking it a little bit in my head and I'm mm. super excited to the seminar and learning it all from you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually
0: like- This is the great thing about these podcasts, right? I mean-
3: yeah, we'll you get find out these so much Fantastic
0: conversations.
3: But so yeah. that has kind of all led you to developing your own sport, right?
2: hmm
1: yep it was it's interesting you know what I mean like uh everything that I did with dogs when I was a kid it was everything was like very much about we didn't approach it like work you know what I mean it wasn't like run on this treadmill or you're gonna get it it was like run on this treadmill because it's awesome you know what I mean this mm-hmm. is wonderful and you you put dogs into doing things that they enjoy doing working a spring pole, dragging weight working treadmills whatever and it's like you 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 know that when I get into obedience, like I'm obviously gonna gravitate towards play-based obedience. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I studied Ivan Bellabanoff, a buddy of mine now, and I like I studied with him and and studied his stuff from afar before I met him for a long time. And it's like that's the kind of stuff that speaks to me. It's like, let's give this this experience, let's share this experience, and then Through that experience, not only is it outlets and a bunch of different things that you can go real deep with a game, like before you even talk about obedience behaviors, you can go super deep with a game. But if I want to get a dog to do this crap that makes no sense to him, stand on a certain piece of furniture or stand in a certain fucking position or stand in this position looking at me in this way, they don't want to do that. They have no reason to want to do that. It's stupid. It's arbitrary and nonsense. Mm. So I give them a reason to do it because, man, if you can hit this position, just fucking so you're going to nail this pillow, bro. You know what I mean? Or like Mm. you get to hit that spring pole, man, or you get to, if you get those positions in just the right sequence, I'm going to let you run. You know what I mean? And then like I give them a reason to want to do the work that they lack motivation to do Mm -hmm. by using this game as leverage and the thing that they have to do. To get that game is access it through these behaviors.
0: Right? Yeah, it's classic shaping.
1: It's awesome. It's wonderful. And mm. anybody that does sport work has been doing that for years. I mean, people talk about, you know, old school dog training, but like, man, anybody that's been working, working dogs, like sport dogs, working dogs, has been doing that shit for a long time. Because mm-hmm. you can't breed a dog to be tough and then whoop his ass into a job.
0: Mm. Yeah. And this you know is where I mean? the fundamentals of, of markers came into popularity is because you're able to communicate better with a dog, more effectively with a dog by saying to the dog, that was perfect, that was exactly what's happened, and as a consequence, he's your reward.
1: Absolutely. So that brings me to the part about motivating fucking people. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the, the, problem, the problem is people apply different strategies. Have you ever noticed like in the purely positive world, they're like purely positive with each other and then they'll send death threats to people.
3: Yeah. 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 We talk about that regularly.
1: I would never hurt a dog, but I'll fucking shoot you if you use a prong collar again. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
3: But you'd be in a similar position to me because I've gotten death threats before for recommending people go to a breeder instead of a rescue. And I just sent the guy my home address. I said, come over, bro. Fuck, let's, let's sort yeah, it out. <laughs> yeah, Look, look these
0: people, I don't think these people realize that they've entered a realm of psychosis. Yeah. Yeah, well. yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. But anyway, the, the, idea, the idea is that like, I had to start looking at using the same strategies, right? And people that are in the sport dog world don't have to think about this because the people in the sport dog world come to you motivated. Mm-hmm. Like they come to you like, "Eh, dude, what do I got to do? I'll fly to Europe. I'll buy the dog. I'll come back here. You tell me what size kennel to build, I'll build it. Who do you want me to fly in? I'll do it. You want a $200 jumpsuit? I'll do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they don't, they'll do the shit because they're motivated. In the pet dog world, people are a lot less motivated. In the pet dog world, they're just like, make them stop biting the kid and then we're done. You know what I mean? Like just, dude, just make them not run out the door and we're all set. Yep. And it's like, fuck, you know, like I could make that dog's life so much better if I could get the person motivated to live with them skillfully. But the person is the one that needs the motivation. The dog's not that fucked up. Mm. But how am I going to get the person to want to play tug with the dog three days a week? How am I going to want to get the person to want to take that the, the thing that would make this dog's life so much better and would just make it beautiful, make its little heart sing is to go out and, and do drag work, like to take a 40 pounds of chain and drag it two miles like that would just make that dog's life entirely different, even though it seems very simple, like uh, football is not a real complex thing. But do you know how deeply you can affect a kid by taking them to football a couple of days a week? You know what I mean? Like it yeah, goes yeah. beyond, oh, they get exercise. It but, goes way beyond
0: that. I think if you were able to solve that age-old question, you'd be a multi-billionaire. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, so the thing is, the reason that sport dog people are motivated is because they have a sport. hmm so people are motivated by fear i don't want my dog to bite the neighbor i don't want somebody to call the fucking cops because my dog won't come back i don't want my dog to die because it ran into a road they're motivated by fear and the moment yeah, you make the fear go away they stop mm. well it's the same thing with dogs you want your dog to have an amazing performance you don't go i'm gonna electrocute you like you're gonna get them to do it but it's not gonna look very good they're not gonna do it and if you don't keep doing it it's gonna wear off you know what i mean like You got to get them motivated and get them, get them fired up, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm running into this with people as a couple years ago. And I'm just like, damn it. How do I inspire these people? And then it hit me like watching people in the sport dog world, even bullshit stuff, not bullshit. I don't want to say bullshit. Even lower level stuff like rally obedience. Mm -hmm. These fucking people are training, man. They're putting in time with their dogs. And I'm watching these people put in time with their dogs and I've got these people who have like real serious dogs and I can't get them to put in the time. These people are putting in a rally.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, okay, like what? And then you try to use your brain and you're like, all right, well, what do I do with the dog? You're like, well, I find a game that excites them and I use that for leverage. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, let's do this. Here's the deal. You ready? Uh, I want your dog to work the spring pole. So we're going to make a fucking game out of the spring pole. And you're going to get a ribbon. And then the people go, ooh, ribbon. And now they're out there doing two-a-days <laughs> with their yeah. fucking dog on a Yeah, But it's because they're going to get a cookie and I'm not going to be pissed about it. I'm not mad at dogs because they want to work for a tug. So why am I mad at these people? Because they want to work for a fucking ribbon. And that's cool. But then it's like that's drive. So then I go, okay, cool. We modeled it after IPO because like Ivan is a big influence on me.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, IPO is, the, is kind of the sport that they use – to look at kind of the classic German Shepherd. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's all mouths now and stuff, but like it's, that was where it came from. So tracking, protection, obedience, and before you can qualify to do it, you got to get a BH, you got to get a behavioral assessment before you qualify to do it. And I was like, cool, I'm going to do the same thing. There's these classic games associated with, with bulldogs, weight pull, wall climb, spring pull, treadmill races. Those are just real classic pit bull games. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to have these sports, these drive sports, but before they're allowed to compete, they're going to have to do this behavior test, this social responsibility test. So now that people want to see their dog running and jumping a wall or sprinting on a fucking treadmill and they want to have the Saturday afternoon where they get together and everybody gets fucking ribbons because their dog ran on a fucking treadmill – You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool. But in order to do that, your dog has to hold a two-minute down while you go out of sight and greet another person with a dog. Your dog has to loose-leash walk and greet strangers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Your dog has to demonstrate a recall and a middle position. You know what I mean? Like basic skills, nothing crazy. But now I've got these people who would never put in the time to loose-leash walk. But they're out there and you see them outside practicing before club practice. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: that's cool. i like, awesome. cool, I
1: got them all motivated. And I'm like, that's all I really care about. Like, it'd be neat for the sport to take off. But the truth is, even if all it does is motivate my personal clients, I'll be pumped about it. Mm. You know?
3: I think it will take off. Well, I mean, we're about to do it in Australia for fuck's sake, so it's taking off. Yeah, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that you've tapped that perfect model exactly. I mean, it's the reason CrossFit's so popular is you they yeah. made a competition out of working out. That's it. Yes. So, now it's the exact yeah. same thing. You make a competition out of training your dog in a model that is achievable for everyone. Cause as you say yeah. that like, you know, IPO, Mondio, PSA, those sorts of things is not for every dog. In fact, it's for the Shit. 1% dogs, but yeah. this sport is for every dog, right? And you, any dog that is it sitting in someone's house waiting to be trained, this is the sport yeah. to get, to get into.
1: Well, the idea for me was to take, I mean, first it started with bulldogs, you know what I mean? Cause that's my shtick. 99% of the dogs I work are, mm-hmm. are pits of some sort, you know? And so it's like, I would always get really interested. Like uh, when I started studying training and I wanted to learn, you know what I mean? I would go to these people. I'm like, oh man, this is amazing. Like watching this training is amazing. And they'd be like, yeah, if you want to do real serious training, like the sports I was involved in, weight pull, and wall climb and, and things like that, nobody does training. Like they just water ski the dog up to the cart, let him yeah. pull the cart, then water ski him back to the fucking car. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they don't, there's no training. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just go time. Like a wall climb, the dog runs up the wall, grabs the toy. There's a brake stick because none of these dogs have outs. They just break this toy out of their fucking face mm-hmm. and throw it back to the handler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's literally no control, none whatsoever, you know? And I'm like, man, this control is amazing. Watching people heal their dog, pass decoys, watching people do this crazy control in drive. I was like, that's amazing. But then everybody's like, well, what you got to do is you got to do – IPO. You got to do PSA. You got to do Mondio. You have to do those things because the shit you're talking about doesn't exist. And I'm just like, fuck, you know, I want to keep doing weight pull. Why can't, (laughs) why, why can't we make weight pull have some kind of control? So now it's like, look, man, level three, you've got a middle, you got a tactical heel the dog into the ring off leash, have them hooked up by a stranger while they're in a stay, walk off the track and recall them from the track. You know what I mean? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's not IP. That's not IPO. I get it. That's not fucking Mondio. That's not a level of like nobody that's got a PSA 3 is going to think that's fucking impressive. But the truth is your average person, to get your average person to be able to accomplish that with a dog is going to be fucking cool. Look,
0: I, I disagree with that. I think that anybody who is into dogs and can verify that the dog is under control and is doing something incredible, regardless if it's their own chosen sport, if you don't have that sort of appreciation for what people are doing then you got to question yourself is how broadly are you actually involved in training and understanding dogs yeah yeah
1: well i mean so it's it's like in in theory it could be it could be really neat have you guys ever worked spring poles before
0: yep yeah 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 yeah
1: (laughs) that's awesome because a lot of protection people are like no like they just it's i've had conversations with people that don't even never even heard of them
3: you just have to be careful there's a line you can cross and you can just wreck a dog's grip on a spring pole I mean, this is just my opinion on it, and I've, I share this with lots of people. There's heaps and heaps of benefit to, you know, like a bite sport dog to work a spring pole sure. with a particular yeah. type of wedge attached to it and and, sure. and with severe consequences for chewing on it. So, like, if they come off, that's it, it's done. Like, they don't get to regrip at all. And you can build sure, heaps sure. of strength, and that you can, yeah, I mean, I do it, but I, I'm always careful of, like, I could really cause a problem here.
1: For me, the spring pole, like most most competitions that are done with dogs, like the weight pole and all that stuff is is a typical competition, or like we put some controls on it at the higher levels that are not part of the the typical version of those sports. But the spring pole is the thing that we do that's very different. Like in, the, in most spring pole competitions, it'll be hang time. So they'll just put the dog on the spring pole and see who comes off last. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's a hang time competition, mm. which – is neat to watch and it celebrates the dog, but it's like, it, there's no control, you know?
3: What sort of hang so time would you be looking at for a, like a really excellent dog in that, posi- in that position with the, the dogs that you've seen?
1: I've seen dogs hold on for about an hour or so.
3: Yeah. So I was going to wow. say, I could see that going wow. for a long time.
1: When I was a kid, I knew a, I knew a guy that let his kids work his bulldog outside on a spring pole. And this is one of those, like, you got to learn a lesson about not letting kids be in charge of the dogs. They put a dog in the spring pool, and back then they didn't have outs, and they weren't going to come off for nothing. You know mm. what I mean? Like, you have to break sick them off the spring pole. And these kids set the dog in the spring pole, played with him for a while, you know, watched him, ha, 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 all good fun, and they come back inside. And they left him out there in the spring pole. The dog had a stroke and fell off. Oh,
0: fuck. Jeez.
1: Like, dude, how a stroke. Like, my dog, Ollie, used to hang. Like, we, we always have spring poles in my gym. And he would just hang on a rope off the spring pole. Mm. And, I mean, I would keep an eye on him, right? But it's during class. So, like, we're about to do the warm-ups. And I'm like, all right, everybody line up. Um, and I'd set him on it, but get it. And he'd go, boom, and hit it. And he'd hang. And he'd do, like, a little hula dance about three feet off the ground, right? Like, look, just looks like a little hula dancer swinging around in a circle. Yeah. And we would do the whole class, and he would just sit on
3: it. Yeah. You know, I think that's I, a really good. I,
1: I knew that it was time to take him off because he would start, he would start to go like, this sucks. He'd start to go. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I mean, what's ridiculous is you'd have to walk up to him and go out and tell him it's okay to let go.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He would cry and be like, this sucks. But you're like, dude, you're holding it. Yeah. Like, just, just let it go. And he's like, no, dude. Like he literally would drop dead before he came off that.
3: That's, that's the, the, the real downside to gameness, that I think, a lot of people don't understand, is that like a dog will kill himself in the game um, before yes. it gives up by act- and not even, yes, not even for anything like the you it's know conflict. Well, a dog here, I want to go in the details, but you know, killed himself chasing a ball in forty degree heat yeah. in, in eight minutes, just in and out, in and out, in and out, and then mm-hmm. that was it. Yeah, that's that. Like you got to be on in control when you have a dog that that is that extreme to just yeah, go. You okay, have to
1: learn your dog and watch. Yeah. You you have to be careful because, like, some of the dogs, I've seen dogs go off of like real bad things because a ball went off like a ravine side accidentally and they're like gone, done. The 30 foot drop, don't care. Like, there happened to be water, so you're not dead, but dude, they don't care.
3: Yeah, yeah. And this is why, like, my dog's perpetually injured because he he didn't give a fuck. He just keeps smashing into stuff and he just could care less about his own physical Mm -hmm. safety. Snatched a metal box out. one
1: pity I have here, and she's had a couple videos that I have of her working. Uh, for a ball, obviously. And uh, her owners threw a tennis ball and like just threw it, was throwing it for her and threw it towards a wall. They were like bouncing it off a wall, not thinking. They just never had a bulldog.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they I
1: mean, throw look- it at the thing and the dog runs like 30 miles an hour and just face-first smashes into the wall. Like, knocks all of their teeth out and breaks their jaw. Wow. Brings the ball back, spits it out, says throw it again.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. surgeons have their office full of Kids all the time because they're pretty much the same sort of thing. You just, yeah. you only stop when your your body can't physically go on anymore.
3: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Someone so made I, a meme yeah. about so me like during the, the, the week. The, the thing I was uh, going about, about Sprinkle is. Uh. What's that? Uh, just, you know, a of dog groups on the weekend, there was a, a meme that I'm pretty sure was made specifically about me where a guy's sitting at the doctor and it says, like, your back's broken, your hips are ruined. Oh, but, yeah, I sent it to but, you. Yeah, but you still <laughs> want a decoy. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it up. I'll put it on our Facebook page because it, yeah. it's, it's actually my list of injuries. Like, it's exact same things. I was like, oh, cool.
1: That's funny. But, so the thing I was getting at with the spring pool for me is that there's, there's this immediate attraction that people have when they watch people do bite work, when they watch dogs do bite work, that's amazing because of the amount of control and you get to see the switch between drive and then back into control it's just amazing. And anybody that watches it comes away with this like, damn, that's beautiful, you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: But the downside of it there are people that have an opposition to the biting of human shaped targets. Um, whether that's right or wrong or not, that is a barrier to entry for a lot of people. And especially the people that are not into the dog world, they see that and they're like, Jesus, I'm not teaching my dog how to bite people, you know, but they like the idea that the amount of control is cool, but they don't like the picture of biting people. Mm -hmm. And then there's the fact that you got to have like a demonet suit costs quite a bit of money and you got to have a dude willing to get hit. And then like the reason that clubs train on the weekends is because you can't get decoys together during the week. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like it's kind of a pain to have like, okay, we're going to get seven dogs and one guy's going to get hit or we're going to have two or three guys and they're going to take these shots, you know? know? And it's kind of a pain to orchestrate that. So you really get to do bite work, not as often as you possibly could if you had like a built in decoy with at your house, you mm-hmm. know? And so I look at that, like we look at dogs here and it's like a, for me, a boxing match, like they hit the heavy bag much more than they spar because mm-hmm. it's easier to get a heavy bag than it is to get a sparring partner. And I can hit a heavy bag at two in the morning when my partner not awake. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. A spring pole gives us access to a controlled bite play game that I don't need a suit, I don't need a decoy, I don't need a second experienced handler. I can work my dog. You know, if you can call your dog off a live bite at twenty yards, if you can do a send out and a down in motion on the way to a spring pole. Like you've got some real training going on. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Even though like, you know what I mean? You don't really have access to a bunch of people or a bunch of stuff. And I can turn these people on. Like my, my, my client base is filled with these people. It's like some 95 year old lady in a walker that comes to me and goes, I've adopted this 75 pound pit bull from a fighting <laughs> rescue and you're just like jesus christ what the hell you know what i mean yeah i'm like i'm like dude we need to give this dog an outlet and the dog is a tug machine and you can break this woman's head by sneezing on her mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm. so i'm like the fuck is she gonna do you know so i'm like we're putting up a spring pole because you're gonna sit and have your little lemonade and be calling commands from 10 feet and your dog's gonna be listening yeah and i'll train the dog up to a spring pole go to their house build their spring pole for them put their dog on it, show them how to do it, make sure they understand. And then, you know what I mean? And then they'll send me pictures of them and their dog on a Saturday afternoon. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's awesome.
2: Well, but, it's, it's, but yeah. So
1: for me, that's like, it gives access to the high level work involved in the bite sports, but without the picture or the need for equipment or help.
3: Yeah. You know? uh, mate, I think it's genius. That's why it's one of the reasons I was so excited to be able to get you to come out here and start getting it going in Australia. And I hope that more people uh, Well, I hope that a lot of people get involved while you're here. And I hope that some people just try and take it up because as you say, you've motivated people by, you know, you can win ribbons and medals and titles on your dog it, it, with the type of dog that you couldn't otherwise. There's no papers necessary, which is one of the reasons I love PSA versus mm-hmm. IPO Mondial and that sort of thing is like, no mm-hmm. one gives a fuck. You can turn up with your crossbred mongrel dog missing an eye and no tail and no one cares. And, yes. and then these games that you're getting the dogs to play in the sport it's training there's a spring pole hanging there and the dog does obedience around the spring pole and then he gets to bite. But you're tricking people into building those neural pathways of yes. obedience in high arousal. And then yes. later on, when they're walking down the street and the cat runs across the street and the dog sits when it's told it was those 200 reps on the spring pole is what paid that the dividends for that when it happens in real life. So
0: I think it's genius oh, and I'm excited to get it going here. We've obviously got uh, a good video to put up. Do we have we? Jay, no, Jay. Do you have a? You talking to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm like what? Yeah, I mean, I can show some stuff.
0: If uh, you can, uh, if you can send Pat a, a good link of a competition or something that you're doing over there. Where um, everyone's still harassing Jay to give us a video of an SR test. Yep.
3: Um,
1: <laughs> so they could see. Yeah, it. it's it's tough, you know, because like, um, it's funny. Like the this is a sport I have made a sport that the dogs that I currently have can't master if that makes any sense like mm-hmm. you get a psa3 you're not going to get a psa3 with a dog you wouldn't picked up at the shelter most likely mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so the problem is like i've got a bunch of kind of bad genetically bred dogs like from weird situations and with temperament issues and all kinds of nonsense like the dog i have that has the drive to do the sports legitimately my dog jackson he's got the heart of a champion and the legs of a walrus you know what i mean mm. so like his wall climb is about five foot at best and that's <laughs> great for him that's wonderful for him but legitimately he can't make the minimum height to get a level two wall climb
0: type right. you know what i mean because
1: he's just a but that's okay. You can
0: go as far as he can and
1: Dude, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Like I've a uh, fucking great, of course. Like I will take him to every show. Mm. But it's very it's very hard. You know what gets people fired up is the thing of like showing somebody that hard-hitting, high-flying, amazing dog.
0: Yeah, not every like dog's I mean, going to get an IPO wanna, three or get PSA a three guy, either. A dog
1: diving thing going, you don't show a dog that looks like a brick fall off the end of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, you know what I mean. Good
1: for that dog. Good for Stumpy. Good job, buddy. But like, nobody's like, "Yeah, me too." But They're back like, at the oh,
0: club, who gives okay. a shit? Like, if the dog does fall off the end of the of the pier, it doesn't matter. In competition, it absolutely does. But back at club the, training, th- no one the cares. The vibe,
1: the vibe in our club and in all the shows are one of support. You know what I mean? That's so right. like, perfect. We, we do that all the time. And it's like that weird, uh, that weird thing, like in the, in the culture that we're in. So have you ever heard the term courtesy scratch? No. Right. So in a fight, in a dog fight, if your dog, if you are scared that your dog's not going to turn and he's taken too much damage,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. right? Like you're just like, this sucks. Like he's not, he's not going to quit. Like my wife would have to throw in the towel on me. I'm not quitting, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, if you think he's in a bad way and he's getting his ass beat and he's not going to stop. Well, I don't want him to die. So I'll throw on the towel. I'll go pick him up. But then they'll let you do what's called a courtesy scratch, which means I'm going to take him to my corner, turn him around. I know the fight's over. All the betting people know the fight's over. The fight's over. We're done. They're not going to make contact again. Mm -hmm. But the dog doesn't know. Yeah. So I take him to the corner, turn him around, show him the dog, let him scratch. And when he scratches, as soon as he scratches, you pick him back up. He doesn't make contact. Pick him up whole place claps. Everybody's in love with the dog. Look how game he was. I picked him up to save him, but I did the courtesy scratch to let everybody know like what he is, mm-hmm. you know? And that's not quite related, but I call it a courtesy in my head. You know what I mean? So like if a dog can't pull the weight, like you will give them a courtesy pull. Like if a dog can't pull the weight, you set him up and you let him go. Even if the fucking guy working the card has to push the thing across himself, the dog doesn't know he's pushing. Yeah you know what i mean so like if he misses that wall climb target three times at six feet but he was nailing it at five and a half you know what i mean like when we take him off that target and walk him back to the start i'm gonna drop it a couple inches and give him it's not gonna count he's out we're done here he's done it's not gonna count towards anything but we're gonna give him a win you know what i mean and everybody knows that so it's like The idea that it's about the dog and what the dog is experiencing and not necessarily who goes highest on the wall.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that sort of shit's really important to put the dog away on a win. I mean, even in PSA, they have that where you, as a handler, you can call like a mercy bite. So if your dog is being run, if it's gone bad, you you can immediately make that call, say, give him a mercy bite and the decoy will go into prey and let him bite him. Now you've, you've given up, it's over. But at least your dog doesn't get jammed in the box and on a loss. Like He gets to at least have that download and the win and and Mm. not walk away from the whole thing at a loss. Even though he did lose, he doesn't know he's competing. He just knows how he felt when he left the
0: field. That's one of the things that I did like about one of the guests that we had on a show a while back, a guy called Gerard O'Shea. He's a judge that came over to do a Roddy Show, Jay. He's not only a judge, he's also a trainer and behaviorist. Uh, He's an Irish guy, lives in Sweden. Hell of a guy, very funny. But one of the things that I really admired about him, I've done quite a lot of, they do a breed temperament test for the Rottweilers at the end, at the conclusion of the show. It's part of the title that the dogs must achieve to go on to maintaining their national title. So with the breed suitability test, I've got to come out with a sleeve. There's no bite work involved in it, but I've got to come out with a sleeve. I've got to threaten the dog and challenge the dog, basically. See what the dog does in that type of situation. So for a few of the dogs who did come out who were showing defense over it, one of the things I really admired about Gerard was he said to everybody, okay, now that the dog has done this, that's great, but what we need to do is let the dog leave the field in the same state of mind that it entered the field on. So rather than have the dog going back to the car, feeling enraged and defensive, having caused a problem in the dog, he said, let's get the dog back to parity, then let the yep. dog leave. And I I really like that. It's the first time I've actually seen a judge that I've been involved, not, not like I've said, not to say I've never seen it before or it hasn't been done before, I should say, but the fact that he actually had the wisdom to identify that in the dog and identified that the dog needed that and that the more importantly, the handler needed that not to create a problem, I thought that was absolutely ideal.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. It is. It's, I mean, it it's, really it's, is. It it, really it's really great wisdom, of kind of it's very, time.
0: very good wisdom.
3: From a show yeah. judge as well. Absolutely. Because, you know, That's amazing. in my experience, yeah. show judge people couldn't give a fuck about what's going on in the head of the dog. They just want to, is his mouth the right color?
0: That's all they fucking about. <laughs> do, <yeah. laughs> which, which does my head uh, in. Who cares what color his mouth is? Half the population of, of dog people in Australia just hated just, you. Just they just, <laughs> they're in their car listening to
3: podcasts and they just kick the
0: dashboard.
3: Who is
1: this fucking? They just turned that up. They
3: were like, go We've lost um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's funny man because like have you guys ever watched pull competitions
3: yeah i've watched videos of it i love it mm. dude
1: when you see it in person you the hair on your arm will stand up it's beautiful because it's just like
0: powerful you ever
1: see you ever see people do well it's the relationship thing that, that mm. blows my mind mm. like the relationship is what it is like there's no food on the track there's no toys you can't bait they're pulling to get to you and that's it mm. you know what i mean and it's like
0: it's like watching those strongman competitions when they're pulling trucks and stuff like that. And it's just the raw power and drive and ambition and determination in them. It's just incredible.
1: It is. But what's really like that's the thing. It's like people see the back end of the cart. They see from the back of the dog to the cart to the picture. And I don't even look at the cart. Mm. Like I see in front of the dog, I see the dog and the person. Mm. Because they're working the track. Like it's you and that dog. The dog knows two weights. The dog knows like too heavy and and you know, I can move it. I can't move it. That's it. That's all they know. And you've got to watch that dog. It's crazy, man, because like you know when you go to push a car and it doesn't move for a couple of seconds as you put inertia into it and then it kind of cracks and then it starts to move and go forward
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? They experience that, but they experience that moment where they It's not moving and they are trying as hard as they can and how long they stay on that is legitimately a measure of how much they love you.
2: Mm. (laughs) Mm.
1: It's not moving and it's not going to move for three, four, five seconds as they dig into inertia and they get it to crack and then they start to move the wheels and then it starts to go. But it's like dogs that are like, it's weird. You want, you want to see like relationship examination, watch weight pull competitions. Cause you'll see these people, you'll see these dogs that they look like they're in love with their owner. Man, it's all great and it's wonderful. And they're like, work. And the dog leans into the harness and goes, go fuck yourself. <laughs> way too
2: bad. No
1: way to get out of your mind. No way. And they're just like, they're dancing around on the track and they're shooting puppy, puppy come on, puppy, puppy. And the dog's just sitting, looking at him like, uh-uh, you're fucked. There's no way. This shit's heavy. Go home.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: And it's just like, oh, it's brutal. But then you see this other thing where it's like you see the dog just leaning into the harness and it is not moving. And then they'll stop. You know what I mean? Like they'll pull, 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 pull and then they'll stop. And you've got a minute to get it across 15 foot, right, 16 foot, depending on the organization. And so like the dog will lean, 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 and then stop. And the person's like, come on, buddy, you can do it. And you can feel it. Like, I'm going to cry talking about it. Like, you can feel it. And they're like, you can do this. We've practiced. You know you can do this. Just come to mom. Just, just get to me. Get right here. And they stick their hands out, like, so the dog can get to them. And you see the dog? Like, they just tried and determined it was not fucking moving. And then after, like, five or ten seconds, they're like, okay, mom, I love you. And they lean into it. And then they get it to crack and they get it to move. And I will ball when I watch that moment. Mm. You know what I mean? It's fucking beautiful. It's crazy, but it's very much about like how much has that relationship been built. How much like if you want to use a cookie and it's a piece of kibble, okay. Or now if I want more, I gotta I gotta get it to be a piece of boiled chicken or some shit, you know. But it's like if all you can use is your relationship, like how valuable is it? Measurably, like I can tell you, my dog loves me nine hundred pounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> Four thousand pounds depending on the track. You know? Yeah. It's like, dude. It's funny, man. It's crazy. But then you also have to know your dog because when you watch dogs struggle like that, you got to know – you got to be able to look at their face and see when they're struggling but in it or when they're starting to doubt. Mm -hmm. And then you'll watch these moments where you'll see the person looking at their dog and like, you can do it. Come on. You can do it. And then they'll kind of give a little hand signal to the person at the cart. They just gave up their dreams. Like they just fouled out. Like the person behind the cart's going to nudge it and push it. Mm Mm-hmm. But the dog's not gonna know. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But like that little signal to the to the cart, help, just just kicked them out of the competition. And there's nothing. The dog can't tell. Like that person's heart just broke. Like they just trained for six months and drove whatever, five hundred miles and they got matching, you know, harnesses for their dog. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous how much yeah. people fucking invest into this shit, you know? Well
3: and we should they, look at they, we should look at trying to get some weight pool
0: done here. Dude.
1: It'd be great. The weight pool is the hardest. The weight pool is the one that is the most difficult.
0: There are weight pool clubs here. Are there? Yeah. Oh,
3: there
1: are?
0: Yeah.
3: Nice. Yeah. There is weight pool in Australia. Well, if you're listening anyone from any weight pool clubs, get in contact with us or someone put us on to some weight pool people because we are doing on Sydney – in Sydney on the Wednesday and in Melbourne on the Wednesday, Sydney in the afternoon, like after four o'clock out here at Pet Resorts and on the in Melbourne on the Wednesday at the Elton Rugby Club, we're doing GRC events. Mm. And so so if, if
1: anybody if anybody in the weight community does listen to this and you wanna have like a fun poll, a fun run, like we're gonna to try to do our social responsibility test. Likely people in weight I don't know what the culture is like there, but in America they're not doing obedience at most weight clubs. Mm-hmm. So they probably wouldn't be able to pass the test. But we could definitely set up a demonstration and let people do some fun, run work with the stuff and, and see what it looks
0: like. Prior to me acknowledging this and saying, yeah, go for it, I'll check our state and federal laws because our animal legislation from state to state in Australia is just crazy. Like do you think there'd be anything uh, for look, there could be. Who knows? Fuck. Who knows? I yeah, mean, yeah, this I is Australia. Right. It's We've got some bizarre laws that go on in Australia and it's... I don't know. I just don't know how people come up with these concepts of of what's cruel and what's. Yeah, well, we'll
3: check that out and we'll report back. Because in my head, when when we're doing these GRC things, I just I just keep saying, "Oh, we can do a mill race because it's easy and know, have it. I have I have the mill." We'll have to check. But I sort of acknowledge that a lot of people's dogs. Don't have a good time on the mill the first time, you need to be reasonably conditioned to it. Sure. Not, and there aren't that many sure. people who have a mill to, to practice. So, if there's well, another we'll have, event we can we're do, gonna,
1: we're going to set up a spring pole as well. So, if they like mills, that'll be good. If they like biting, we can have something for them to do.
3: Yeah. I mean, as I say, even if we just do the SR test. And then everything else is for a funsy afterwards, just to give people an intro and and get it going. Because like, I really support the idea. I think that it's such a good idea, exactly as you said, that you've made a competition out of training your dog and getting people motivated. And, and if training that stuff one day helps them in the real world, then the whole, the whole thing's achieved. And, and it's for everybody. It's not for like, I acknowledge in the bite sports that, it is for 1% of dogs and, and less than 1% of people that are willing to put in the work and, and do it all. But this is for everybody and everybody can get involved. Mm. I'm a little scared. I, you know, I read the rules for the SR test the other day and my dog doesn't have a front finish. It's not in my game. So yeah. I started teaching it and <laughs> I'm not sure I'll get it finished in time because at the moment he's pretty he's convinced the criteria is to have his neck and chest, uh, his neck and lower jaw flat against my chest not on the floor so he jumps up and wraps his arms around my body and sticks his head across my chest and i'm not sure i'm gonna have the time to, to, ex- to explain <laughs> to my, him that it's different. Like, in my
1: head i'm like wait a minute is that wrong
3: can that is that will that fly yeah well you're the judge you, you you'll you'll decide on the day but my <laughs> the, springer on the other like hand the, she's the got front, it
1: the front and the middle for me like I, I tell people they're my elevator positions like when people go why do you do those Like, why to the middle? Like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, dude, that's my elevator position. If I'm standing on an elevator and four kids get on with water noodles acting a fool, those are the two positions I'm going to use to help get through there with no dying. You -hmm. know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be, like, middle and get the dog between my legs and I can steer him around a little bit or I can ask him to turn his back on the kids, like, flip him to front so he can turn his back on them, you know, and shoo them away as I kick them to get the fuck away from my dog, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like... That's why I use those two positions. And so I'm thinking if it meets a criteria, like if your dog's, hugging your waist, like you're slow dancing. Like, I guess that's pretty good. <laughs>
2: <I> <laughs>
3: well,
1: really I'm like, well, I kind of, it kind of serves the functionality. It ain't exactly front, but I kind of guess it works.
3: Yeah. And it's locked eye contact. Well, it's him trying to get eye contact with me and me trying to look away. Cause I'm really scared that he's going to bite me. <laughs> so, I'll send you a video. I'll send you a video. You can decide. For yourself. Is this the
1: one, is this the one I'm catching for a little bit while Yeah, I'm hopefully.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. That's him. Nice. That's him. He's growing Excellent. up. He, um, he's yeah. finally biting now that he's over his little teeth faux pas. Yeah, he's biting
0: well. I, I can verify that personally. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Very cool, man. I'm, yeah. like, well, I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be fun. By the way, let me finish this one real quick. What I was saying about the person that's going to, like, wave at the cart, the reason that that's such a beautiful moment is not that they fouled him out. The reason it's a beautiful moment is the dog does not know.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, that person has to swallow the disappointment of competition – you know what I mean? like fouling out in front of everybody and blah, 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 and all this crap. And it never crosses their mind mm-hmm. in a good weight pull show. Like it never, they don't even consider it. Nobody there's clicking their teeth. Nobody there's like nodding their head. You know what I mean? Like that dog thinks he started moving it and you'd be a complete piece of shit if you were like, wave the help. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then the dog knows it sucked you know what I mean? Like, but it's like, it's pretty cool to have a sport that is so about the dog's perception of the events and really force people to put
3: ego shit on the back burner yeah totally pretty cool well we've been talking for a couple of hours so jay thank you very much for coming on giving us your time and and i'm super excited Mm, about you being here it's like a week away but you guys will be arriving again we have to say it like we spoke about dogfighting a fair bit at the start of this no one here has everybody finds it repulsive it's the worst thing in the world but as we've sort of come around to discussing that shit happened and we learned
0: things from it so we've got a talk about it to imply that knowledge. So I'm like going to put a caveat at the start, very start, just to say that you are going to talk about it as part of your upbringing, but no, in no way are you are endorsing it or romanticizing it.
1: Sure. The yeah. the biggest tragedy that could come from all the dogfighting that's been done through history is for us not to take the lessons that we could take.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And we, you we agree I mean? with that in science as well. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's gotta be some medical procedure that somebody figured out during the Holocaust. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. that's terrible. It's horrible, horrible, what horrible. Yeah. But man, you know what I mean? If my grandma needed that surgery.
3: Yeah, you can't pretend now we don't know it.
1: Fuck. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's there's so much, if you can discard the things that are bad about it, there is so much about it that is beautiful and amazing that well, you can salvage from the horrifying
3: Well, I think stuff. that's exactly what you've done in the, the GRC. So that's, that's what I'm hoping to do. You know? Yeah, awesome. So tickets are still available for you and Chad in Sydney and in Brisbane. Uh, Melbourne's full, so too bad if you're in Melbourne, you've missed out. Um, and in Brisbane, hurry up and get on it. But Sydney is there's plenty of people there as well that we we're, we're there's a few tickets left. So if you're in Sydney and you still want to get tickets, you still can. What is it with Brisbane people and seminars? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Hmm. They wait till the last second or what?
3: Well, hopefully. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jay, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
1: You can find us on Facebook, Next Level Dogs. Uh, you can check out our website, nldogs.com. Uh, and if you're interested in the sport, uh, there's a Facebook group for the sport, GRC Dog Sports. I'm pretty sure almost anybody can approve you, but get on there and, and look at the rules before you show up. It'll make it a much more enjoyable experience. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: there's a, and, and the test is hard, man. It's no joke. It's, it's very simple. It's very simple. It's not easy. It's loose leash walk, middle position, two minute down with not a ton of heavy distractions of pressure, recall the front. I mean, it's not that hard. Uh, it's not that complex, but we are finding it because of the particular rules that we have because there's three sections and each one you're judged a little bit differently. And it's throwing people off. Like we have CGC title dogs that fail it. We have obedience titles dogs that fail it. Like it's it's a it's a really it's proving to be a very telling test about how well you function and live with your dog Mm
3: -hmm. Mm. if you haven't done it by the time you're here let's get let's make some video about what that looks like even if we have to stage a video to get a dog through it so that people can can watch a video of it end to end and see see what's involved yeah we can we can do that all right. Well, that's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you're hearing, jump online, subscribe, rate, share, it, tell a friend. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can do that via Facebook, the Canine Paradigm. You can talk to me and Glenn and give us some feedback if you like. All right. That's it. Thank you, Glenn.
1: Thank, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you thanks very much, coming.
0: Jay. Yeah, uh, it was awesome getting to know you. Cue the music.